0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on February the 26th, 2019. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, my librarian partner in crime, Caffeine Rage. And uh (laughs) shh. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we played this week. We're going to be talking about the February Game Club, which is Bomber Crew. We will reveal our next Game Club game for the month of March. Bethesda bans Fallout 76's one fan for accumulating too much ammo.
1: Shame they can't ban Fallout 76. Uh, But then again, we would have uh, very slim pickings on news uh, from week to week.
0: Indeed. What else would we bag on every single week? The Federal Trade Commission is to host a public loot box workshop. There are rumored financial troubles at GOG. Metro Exodus players are leaving thousands of positive reviews on Steam. A YouTube creator misleads the public over an Anthem video takedown. We'll have our weekly community corner discussing uh, game night for next week. Time stamps will be in the show notes, following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. How are you doing today? Uh, caffeinated. Indeed, I am a sleepy boy. Actually, well, a tr- just... Well, I'm
1: trying to fight, fight that off, so caffeinated.
0: Right. A tired boy is a more accurate description. Uh, I had a very, very hectic day around the office today. Many problems, miscommunications, nothing like out of the ordinary for any job, but it's like today was one of those days where everything just sort of came together to make me want to pull my hair out. And also, you know, I had to deal with like people's sadness and stuff, so. Granted, that is what I do, but enough about me, more about you, because that would be the gentlemanly thing to do. I haven't listened to that song in a long time.
1: I don't know the reference. I'm too old.
0: Yeah. When did this song came out? The... Or, or I'm Not mid, Cool Enough, or... Mid to late 2000s? Or, or,
1: or, or most likely it just didn't give a shit.
0: I mean, it was like, I think a hipstery band. Like, this song came out while I was in college, or I heard about it while I was in college, and I had some hipster friends who, granted, they did introduce me to some some pretty good music, but also some stuff that was kind of like, eh, this seems like you're, like, too stuck up your own ass about it, but whatever. What's the band? Griffin House? Never heard Nothing, of it. Something? I don't know. I'll look it up at some point point. listen to it later.
1: Well, let's just put it this way. Right now I'm listening to the car, so...
0: I'm listening to my fan because I get easily distracted if I listen to music and things while trying to do the show. Mostly Sorry, because what? I'll, mostly because I'll go and, like, select... Okay. Uh, or just like scroll through songs looking for something that I really want, which defeats the purpose of just sort of putting them like random on a, a a random playlist or something. So I got some problems.
1: Yes, yes, you do.
0: But none of them were with games I played this week. Yeah, just
1: skipping over how I'm doing. <laughs> but, uh, you yeah,
0: know. <laughs> oh, no, I just, like, saw that in my head, and I was like, I'm gonna go for it. The king of bad segways. No, no, it's fine. Nobody cares. Let's go. I care. How was your week this week, Rage?
1: Uh, Trying to stabilize my sleep cycle, but constantly getting insomnia, so that's why I'm uh, actually drinking ca- uh coffee number four, which hmm. is uh, usually a bad time for me uh, for my sleep cycle.
0: Yeah. It is a brutal cycle. You're tired, so you drink extra coffee, which makes it harder to sleep. So you're more tired, so you drink extra coffee. And so forth, until something breaks.
1: Well, the thing is, I don't have anything major going on for me for the rest of the week, so I can sleep.
0: Right. I do not have that luxury. <laughs> oh. Tomorrow, I, I was going to go in late tomorrow, on purpose. Because I had, like, a nice free spot open and then like right before I was leaving it's like 4.30 I was getting ready to leave wrapping up and one of the people from the front desk was like hey I need your 8am in the morning for such and such who's having an emergency and I was like okay I guess I always try to keep keep the front desk ladies happy gotta keep them happy and then they take good care of you but occasionally that means you have to do something like you give them an appointment you don't want to Say Levy.
1: Yes, yes it is.
0: I kind of want coffee now too, but I will wind up in that same boat if I have a cup of coffee right now this late. So I've just got water.
1: Well, technically coffee it has water in it.
0: That is true. Coffee it, is is has quite a bit of water to uses quite a bit of water to make it. Mhm. So that counts for something.
1: And uh, and like going to the moon, once you get halfway there, the gravity just pulls you back in. Unless uh, you know you're uh, based in reality and not a movie.
0: Mm, yes, <laughs> I know. Uh, I might
1: have to warn you; I'm uh, probably going to be a little bit sillier than usual because I'm a little sleep deprived. That's fine, but, but that also likely makes me a lot more entertaining.
0: I will try and rein us in a little bit so that I can go to bed at somewhat. I can pretend is a decent hour. Who knows, uh, so,
1: maybe? Uh, so forced segue games we played?
0: Yeah, forced segue games we played. I am liking this first game that you've got on here.
1: Yeah, this... Uh, my first game is Terror Tech. It had a free weekend. Uh, there was two open world games that had free weekends this weekend. And this was not the one I was planning on playing, because this was one that I was pretty much going to get at some point Anyway but I wanted to ju- uh, to do the other one that had some questionable practices going into it to have something to bitch about. right? Unfortunately, uh, they did an unusual thing and had the three weekend end on a Sunday. So, yeah. So I decided to uh, do TerraTech instead, which is essentially, if besieged, uh, the block-based vehicle uh, puzzle game, Uh, For those who don't know it, uh, made sweet, sweet love to the character, uh, uh, to the creature stage of Spore, and the and the Mm -hmm. game actually came out to be somewhat good because you know it does have some bad DNA there. If you pardon the turn of phrase there, with Spore, it is technically an open world sandbox survival game that's based around block based vehicle creation (laughs) it's such a weird thing and it has a bunch of resource uh, uh, collection and delivery in it as well so there's several different modes in this and i focused on the campaign mode which is essentially you crash onto an alien world with a handful of blocks to build a, a a starter vehicle out of and there's a bunch of hostile vehicles uh, all around the place. You kill them, you gain uh, their blocks, and you start building up a bigger and better vehicle. And you eventually are able to build up a base to be able to sell off resources that you could collect to get money so you could respawn, uh, and also buy specialized blocks to be able to, to harvest resources to uh, be able to build up yourself. Uh, uh, you're able to go uh, do missions to unlock various factions which start unlocking different types of blocks. Like you could see on some of the screenshots, like there's the giant yellow end loader thing or, or get dump truck thing. Uh, that's a particular faction and leveling up your fac- your reputation with that faction unlocks the big blocks. They're a lot more unyieldy, uh, unwieldy uh but they have a lot more health. There's the kind of the general purpose, which are a lot smaller, uh, but a lot more fragile as well. But they're a lot more agile, and it's actually a very good game overall. I have my problems with it because, of course, I do. Uh, but a lot of them feel a little nitpicky and also is more pertaining to the this particular genre. For one, it is very, very grindy, but that's kind of the point of the open world survival game. Where a lot of it is going around collecting resources, taking it back to your base, to either craft, which there is a crafting mechanic in the game. I uh, only unlocked it at the very end of my time with the game, unfortunately, so I didn't get a lot of time with it, but it's Essentially, you go out with a particular uh, part on your vehicle and you're just collecting uh, the blocks that raw resources bring in to refine, to build up a particular type of block. And, you know, like it may require like three wood and a, uh, and a uh, chunk of rock or something uh, to go into the fabricator to build up. It's a very simplistic uh, crafting system, but it works. And it's typically uh, a lot easier to do than trying to build up enough money to be able to sell, uh, uh, to be able to uh, sell to the uh, uh, trading post to be able to buy the blocks outright. And the and the trading posts also have a rotating inventory that are that's also limited. So you know you may end up being a little screwed otherwise. If like you are trying to build up a, this absolutely massive machine, but you need a lot of a particular block, where you may be waiting several days in game time which is actually not that long Uh, but you you may end up waiting some time to be able to buy the blocks on top of the uh, just the sheer amount of money that it can take so yeah the crafting system basic but works uh, resource gathering I mean you're basically just putting a drill on the front of your uh, machine and driving into rocks to mine (laughs) I mean it works right yeah and then you just haul things back to a base. Uh, there's a lot of flexibility and a lot of interesting things that you do with the vehicles uh, that I saw in a very short time. And um, and also, the AI will just kind of just drop in from space around you. And if you get too close to them, they uh, go aggressive. The AI is, at least in the beginning of the game, brain dead. I'm not sure if they improve over time as they get better vehicles or if it's just, you know... The very, very basic AI, you know, kind of drive in your general direction and fire guns. I did see a few vehicles that were very high level or, you know, had a lot of very powerful blocks on them. Uh, That a couple of them killed me pretty damn quickly, (laughs) which uh, is a little frustrating just because one of them dropped pretty much on top of me and just decimated me. But I talked about this going into uh, the creature stage of Spore. And part of it is, you know, that sort of open world, you know, do your own thing. And also the sort of the evolution. um, Instead of, you know, baiting like in Spore and then, you know, uh, getting to to a creature creation stage to be able to tweak your creature. You're just killing things and taking the blocks directly and just kind of just plopping them onto your vehicle so you know you kind of see the parallels there yeah Uh, but my big complaint outside of AI is the actual building of the vehicles it doesn't have a dedicated build screen or build area instead it just kind of levitates your cabin up the you know sort of the core of your vehicle Uh, but the problem with that is that once everything is disconnected it just kind of physics takes over and just drops into a pile so you're just kind of sorting through this massive junkyard of parts <laughs> if you haven't uh, built up a base or some sort of storage container which i know that there's storage in the game but i didn't get to that far only played a, uh how long did i play um it's not saying on the steam store page and unfortunately i can't access my thing yeah i'm not seeing on the store page how long i played i'm on, i could go over steam achievements uh no it's not saying there because I don't technically own the game. Which is irritating. Um but yeah, it everything kind of just drops into a pile. And if you're trying to build on a hillside or you know, uneven land and some of the pieces are kind of like balls. Or like, uh, well well the well the healing pod is probably the worst one because it's essentially just a giant ball that generates a shield around you that regenerates your health. I actually lost one because I was trying to build up on a hillside and it started rolling, I guess, and just disappeared because I was never able to find it. So I had to go buy another one, and it's a rather important part. Uh, batteries are also a potential problem with this system just because they're giant canisters, you know, like barrels. So, you know, something else to watch out for. It's not a Bad system, it's just irritating because I would like to have had some sort of dedicated build screen, especially since the uh, campaign free roam mode seems to be single player only, even though the game touts a co op mode. It's a co op creation or creative mode.
0: So, like, oh, okay.
1: So, essentially, yeah, you know, like a, uh, the difference between Minecraft's uh, survival mode and Minecraft's creative mode. Yeah, you know, it's a, a lot more interesting to me to you know, have to go find the parts, which is, unfortunately it seems to be focused on single player only, at least for now. I'm not sure if they ever intend to open that up to uh, co-op. If they do, that would be a lot more uh, fun to me, especially considering the focus of building up uh, individual bases and then if you, you're near the base, uh, the AI will actually attack it, so you have to go defend it or build up the, device, the base to the point where it could defend your, itself with the weapons and uh, regenerative shields and that sort of thing. Unfortunately, you know, uh, yeah, kind of wish, right?
0: Yeah. So uh, the last time I played Terratech was roughly two years ago. Mm-hmm. The thing that they had just added at that point was that you could create little drones, basically, which, I mean, you could just build another vehicle and you could put, like, a drone control pod on it. Yeah,
1: see, I, I got the drone co- uh, control pod but I hadn't built up a, a drone yet. I only had a few
0: hours in the game. Yeah, and they had that system was really, I mean, it was it had just been implemented. The drones did not follow orders very well. The only thing they could really kind of do was just set them to basically follow you around, and if they didn't get stuck on stuff, they could help you out in combat. But otherwise, they were useless. So I don't know how far any of the other systems have came. I think they'd also just added aircraft to the mix.
1: Yeah, I didn't touch aircraft at all, unfortunately.
0: I've got about uh, it, it, 12 uh, hours total Yeah, the limit. aircraft
1: are uh, you know, sort of mid to high level stuff. I didn't get nearly that far.
0: Yeah, I was fighting a few aircraft where I was when I played it last time. This is a game I've always intended to return to as it's progressed through development or released. <laughs> yeah. And I knew at some point it would come out or would have come out and I would find out about it and then be like, okay, so now's the time for me to, now that it's released, I'll go play it. So, I mean, I've, I'm not going to talk about it. I've been doing another playthrough of Factorio here recently. Probably once I finish that up, I will dive into Terra Tech. So, one of couple of weeks, possibly. Depends on how much actual free time I get to do stuff. But, um, I, I mean, I, now that, you know, I know that it's out, I'm going to go back and play through it a little more fully. Because I always liked the core stuff that was there.
1: Yeah, it's a uh, very interesting system. That, like I said, I wish I had a dedicated build mode.
0: Yeah, I'm sad that they didn't change that. That's probably my always my biggest complaint was how that you just build things and there was no storage available when I played. So the only way to store stuff was to just like build little bases and attach mm-hmm. all your parts to it and then try to make Yeah, supposedly where they there's were. some sort of
1: build mode uh, or a storage mode, but even if you know you uh, with the uh, harvester or the fabricator and the scrapper, you should be able to just you know, break down things that you don't need and rebuild them later. Because yeah. there is that, you know, recycl- uh, recyclability.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, something that is interesting, though, is uh, did when you played it, uh, did they have uh, Twitter implement- uh, uh, implement- uh, implemented in it?
0: They did not,
2: no.
1: Okay, here's something that's really interesting, and this is where I really draw the parallels between this and Spore. Is that if you uh, attach Twitter to this game... You're able to share your uh, creations, uh, like in Spore, where it's a JPEG or a PNG or whatever, and it contains the information required to build that vehicle. But you could also have it bring in vehicles that's been shared. Oh, that's interesting. So you start seeing player-made vehicles. To be fair, you know, you're still dealing with the AI uh, driving them. So, yeah, you know, something that requires a lot of complexity to, and finesse to be able to drive. The you know, AI is probably just going to go hump a tree somewhere. But the AI also <laughs> fights one another. So that's another thing is that there was a couple times that I would go in uh, catch a, a couple of the AIs uh, severely injured that were had some pretty decent parts on them. And they just pick them off when they were, yeah, uh, you know, and then pick up the scraps
0: right yeah that's i mean that's always the best way to scavenge new stuff at the beginning of the game when you're all mm-hmm. weak
1: yeah but overall i did enjoy my time with it it was uh interesting uh kind of reimagining of what spore uh, or at least one stage of spore uh, should have been to me but you yeah, know that's kind of <laughs> what uh yeah, my memories of spore is oh, you know, this would have been a lot better if they uh, fleshed this out, or this stage, or pretty much any system in that game.
2: Right. So taking
1: taking kind of the spirit of that and building up on it. And I do know that there's six different factions that you could build uh, or get a reputation with. So there's quite a few choices of uh, vehicles and a lot of... uh, uh, mixing and matching, like uh, I was starting to get a reputation with the construction guys that had that has the giant yellow blocks, so my neutral uh vehicle was
0: slowly getting taken over by these giant yellow pl- uh cubes <laughs> yeah i they had just or no that was in the game at the time there were i think there were three factions and Although there's still, I think, three factions. They're probably just more flushed out now. But I always went with the big yellow construction guys because they had the biggest parts. I was like, yeah, big, cool stuff.
1: Yeah, I just wish the uh, the campaign mode was co-op because that would be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would absolutely love to do a co-op in one of these that we both could enjoy together. one of these types of games. Mm Because, I mean, I love them to death.
1: All right. Unfortunately, you know, ah, that's uh, the way it is, uh, at least for now. They may do that later. And I will say that I'm not sure about the price uh, on it being its full price because that is a bit expensive for this type of game, in my opinion.
0: What is it, 25 bucks?
1: Yeah. At least with what I uh, played of it, it felt more like a $20 game which I realize that's like splitting hairs at that point, but it, yeah, uh, at least in the beginning, there's a, a a rather padded feel to it. I'm not sure if later on, you know, whenever you start unlocking more interesting missions, because I started to see more variety in the mission structure uh, towards the end, at like hour two or three. So if they continue to add on more complexity there, and also, you know, be able to build up your drone army and uh, have things going on behind the scenes. Because I didn't get to touch any of that, those systems really. Then that would have been a lot more interesting.
0: Yeah, I think it's. Uh, they have missions now. That's a thing. You had like some tutorial stuff that like. Oh gave no, you uh, no! they have uh, procedural
1: generated uh, missions now.
0: Yeah, that wasn't a thing when I was playing it. You had like a few tutorial missions that, you know, gave you the basics, and then it was like, all right, this is a game in development. Things are subject to change. There might be resets. Your content might not work in the future, but go wild.
1: Yeah, they have uh, missions that uh, build up the factions, and they also generate random parts, and you could uh, find uh, random treasure chests in the world to also give you parts. And it's rather uh, frustrating in towns because, yo. Know, You'll finish a mission far from base and you get, you know, the, the giant yellow blocks and it's like, how the hell am I supposed to get this back home?
0: Yeah. Very carefully.
1: Uh, what is a little frustrating is the fact that, you know, if you build up a, like a junkyard and you don't have them all attached, uh, they will despawn after a while. It's just kind of, uh, you know, a thing I wish that, you know, you could build up a proper junkyard.
0: <laughs> yeah. And Even also, just for cosmetics, it, mm-hmm. that would be great to have just massive piles of parts.
1: Uh, especially, you know, uh, if they had it where the AI could uh, scavenge it. <laughs> you know, you gotta be careful, uh, you know, leaving out the high-level uh, weapons. Otherwise, the AI may, uh, you know, try to steal some and then uh, go after you with them.
0: Yeah. That would be interesting.
1: But I mean, yeah, in. uh, yeah. Overall, it's not a bad game. I, like I said, I had my problems with it uh there's things that i think could be improved i wish i had a proper uh, multiplayer mode for the campaign i did toy around with the race mode which looks like it's a set map perhaps uh that you have to essentially just try to survive the gauntlet you know get to the end as fast as possible and i just didn't spend enough time with it and there's a sumo mode which was interesting that you not know, even and load up because you know I just uh, it was getting late and you know the game was going to go off free weekend before i woke up most likely so just yeah called it a night there but the fact that they've added more modes right
0: yeah more stuff it's good Mm -hmm. can't wait to check that later all right so uh speaking of games that we play together yeah so you and i played a game on Sunday, we played it all the way through, relatively short, but an excellent game called We Were Here. This is a free-to-play asymmetric puzzle game. Uh, it took us, what did we figure? About, a
1: little over an hour.
0: Yeah, to, to beat it. Um, and what it is, is that you're two, you know, a, a pair of explorers or something, it's kind of unclear you get like a yeah it's story ambiguous
1: yeah uh, you, know, you know hand-drawn cutscene uh looks like you're uh, like in the arctic or antarctic you know it, 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 it's cold out yeah and you find this castle and you uh you get separated from your party and you go inside and then you know some guy with hairy legs uh knocks you out and then one of you wakes up in the castle and the other wakes up in the library
0: yep and the two of you have to work together to solve puzzles to progress through and escape.
1: Yeah, this Um, is very much Portal-esque, as in uh, it's a very fleshed-out idea, but still, you could call it a tech demo.
0: Yeah, there's a sequel. Two sequels. A sequel. I thought the second one was in production right now.
1: I I thought it was... Well, it's still uh, coming out, so yeah, two sequels.
0: Right, right. But uh, yeah, this one... You know, like we said, free of play. Um, we had a blast. It does have some stuff that we I don't I wasn't expecting going into it. There is a little bit of uh horror's the wrong word. Psychological horror, I mm-hmm. guess. Um there's not really any jump scares. There's some creepy stuff, like a lot of sort of creepy imagery. Uh there's some, you know, creepy background sounds, things like that. A couple of times where you're you know, your imagination is definitely worse than whatever it is that's going on. Mm-hmm. So it's got a good, very, very dark atmos- atmospheric vibe to it. Um, but it's not gory or bloody. There's no oh, there's real a little violence. Blood. Well, is there?
1: Uh, at least in the library, there was.
0: Oh, there. I mean, if there was blood, I missed it. On um, well, no, there's the. I guess there's the bloody writing on the wall. But other than that, there's no blood that I saw.
1: Yeah, well, but, that's I what mean, I was talking about.
0: Yeah. Uh, the game is broken up into multiple puzzle sections where that one of the two people is uh, solving... actually having to complete the puzzle while the other person is figuring out what the solutions to it are based on clues in the room. Uh, most of the time, the librarian is the one who is has got the information for how to... Uh, Tell the person, the explorer, how to solve the puzzle. But there were a couple of times when there was a, a, a puzzle where it's um, uh, you had to forth. manipulate something. Like there's a room that's filling up with uh, like you get into it and it starts filling up with water, and you were the one who had to input the solution to the puzzle. Yeah, and I was the one who had to tell you what you know. Yeah, what was which was going a nice the uh,
1: was. change of pace.
0: Yeah, um, there's quite a few identify like the exact symbols, and how well can you communicate with each other. Like, at its heart, it's very simple stuff. If you can just communicate perfectly to each other what you see and how to do the thing. But the communication breakdown is where the most interesting part of the game comes in. And you and I have got, I mean, we know each other pretty well. We've been friends for a long time. Um, We were able to relatively quickly come up with a system of describing, like, the glyphs. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple where we ran into some problems. Yeah, just because uh, there was, they were
1: very similar glyphs, well, oh, yeah. uh, purposely sim- uh, similar glyphs.
0: Yeah, there was there was one puzzle where that I didn't realize it, but whenever you failed it, it reset what the the glyphs were that you were using to decode the solution. So. We wound up. I wound up failing that one a bunch of times until I realized, like, oh, every time I screw up, it changes the thing, and we have to find the new book with the new solution. Probably the, the two most difficult ones was one that involved you going outside. I'm not going to say specifically what that po- puzzle is, but one that involved me being outside in the freezing cold. So that imposed a very noticeable time limit as I essentially froze to death. Mm -hmm. while we were trying to solve the puzzle. And as the longer you're outside, the more narrow your vision gets, which actually makes it much more difficult to solve the puzzle with essentially tunnel vision. And then there was one. It's actually the final puzzle that there is no labeling, no nothing, no easy way to identify what the solution was, aside from sort of trial and error. Like, I kept having to move positions to try and figure out what thing was doing what in order to solve that puzzle and I mean once I got it memorized it basically came down to a couple of times like okay is it, gotcha. does it actually mean this one like there were a couple like tricky bits but in general that one was just a memorization puzzle for me but there's a, a number of different puzzles they're all different there's some randomization on at least several of them that we have confirmed for sure yeah mostly all... because we screwed up yeah, um, they all have a failure state, I believe, except for I think the first one. Um, I don't think anything happened on that very first puzzle when you before we pick up the walkie talkies and then have mm-hmm. to enter essentially the labyrinth or whatever you want to call it. I don't know if there's a failure state on that one because we stood around for a while. Yeah, trying because to sort uh, that one. because
1: uh, here's the thing: is that while you're running around. Uh, The librarian is pretty much confined to a single uh, set of rooms the entire time. And a lot of the librarian's job on top of just communication is figuring out what set of solutions the room contains pertains to that particular puzzle. So there was a couple times that I started to go down the wrong (coughs) path because I was assuming that I was supposed to use something that uh, either wasn't in play uh, at all, which there is a couple things uh, to throw curveballs in, or I didn't notice something, so I was trying to force a solution that didn't make sense otherwise because it was for something completely different. So, yeah, yeah it's a it's a very interesting uh, asymmetric game that you don't you don't see a lot of asymmetric co-op. You see a little bit, but. Usually, it's more fast paced, and this gives a very generous tomlin for a lot of stuff
0: yeah the um probably the 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 segment that felt the best between the two of us was the what I'll call the labyrinth
3: mm-hmm.
0: um and at first, we were kind of struggling, and then, like once it clicked for us, it was very satisfying for you to be like, "Okay, here, here, do this, then go back." And that was also one of the only sections that incorporated some very creepy stuff in it. Some weird imagery down there. So I was really creeped out. For me, it was a very
1: uh, uh, intense thing just to try to keep track of where you were.
0: Yeah. And I I was very creeped out by the surroundings. I don't like horror anyways. I have never made it a secret. I don't like being scared. This game walked the right balance between being just creepy enough to give me the heebie-jeebies and distract me at times... But I never felt like being like, okay, that's it. I'm done. I quit this. I can't take it. It's too scary. Yeah, this I has think that's... A,
1: sort of that uh, right at the like the Alan Wake threshold. Yeah. Where, I... yes, it's spooky. Yes, it's creepy. But it's not overly so. It's not overtly so. But it also, it doesn't really rely on the crutches of horror that, you know, it's a lot of gore, a lot of jump scares, a lot of... Yeah, you know, things chasing you. A lot of it is, you know, subtle, or, yo know, it's playing on your imagination by using sound cues. Or if there is something creepy, uh, like uh, on the final puzzle, uh, there was something actually creepy for me for one of the few times. You know, it was uh, more what the fuck than, you know, an overt threat, even though it was technically a timer.
0: Yeah. A very, very spooky timer. Very spooky.
1: Yeah, and we're intentionally leaving solutions out because we kind of called Kyle out for this game because we want to see this.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would love to see Kyle and Melz do this and record it. Uh, and especially if no, Melz
1: is the librarian.
0: because I Melz be has fun. to be the librarian. That would be hilarious. And no screen peeking. That ruins it if you're cheating.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to play this with Katie. I told her about it. And she was like, well, but then don't you know all the answers? And I was like, well, yeah, but we only did one one run through. So I'll be the librarian because I don't, you know, don't know the layout of those rooms or where anything is or how to interact with stuff. And then you can be the explorer. And then we can do that. We can talk our way through the puzzles. So I, I don't know when we're going to do that. I don't know if we'll actually get to do it this week for date night, but soon. We'll play it, and it shall be good. But yeah, it was it was a very good game. I think uh, we put the sequel on our wish list. To well, pick it's up been on
1: my wish list for ages, uh, and it goes fairly cheap on sale. Uh, but yeah, yeah. It's just I never picked it up because yeah. it's a co-op only title.
0: But uh, well, I put it on my wish list, and then next time it's on sale we will uh, pick it up we were here too T-O-O as in also but that'll be interesting
1: and we were here together is coming out sometime this year
0: is we were here together more than just two players that would be interesting if they somehow worked it into a three or a four player game
1: uh, I'm not sure. There's, uh, it, well, it talks about both players have to have a working uh, PC uh, capable microphone, so it sounds like they're still doing two-player co-op, which I think is a good uh, uh, place for, it because once you get past a certain point of a group, I think it'd be too chaotic to make it a, a really good puzzle game. Yeah. You could probably get away with four, but it requires a lot better of a group.
0: Yeah, it would be probably total chaos if mm-hmm. several people from our group tried to play. <laughs> if we did like four together, a lot of crosstalk, which is very difficult to have in this game because you got to concentrate, beat the timers, all that, all that jazz.
1: Yeah, oh, well, uh, or as uh, the developers, total mayhem.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: But yeah, very, very uh, solid title. Uh, it's a, I think it was a very smart thing for me to do, uh, the first game as a free-to-play uh, a sort of tech demo introduction to the world. Because this is a game that I think a lot of people would be put off by um, just due to its asymmetric nature. You, you, because you just don't see that that often. Uh, yeah. Just in multiplayer in general, let alone co-op. Only one I can think of off the top of my head is keep talking and nobody explodes uh, for a co-op.
0: Journey. That's the one that comes to my mind. You have a sort of a, a guide that is always a real person. Mm-hmm. They can show up and help you through stuff, but there's no communication than that. So it's a little bit of a different, Yeah, different experience because you can't actually talk to the person that comes to be your guide or that you go to guide so
1: yeah which makes me wonder if there's still gods available in that game since it is rather old now
0: good question might have to fire it up and check it out I've got it on my Xbox but that would be for a different time so I've got two other games I've played this week besides We Were Here uh, the first is Galaxy Squad. I got this, a, a key for this on Keymailer. Um, this is a very early alpha, early early beta state game that tries to smush together FTL and XCOM. Um, you've got the very heavily, not even inspired, practically copied XCOM combat system, so turn-based, uses the tile system each character has got uh special abilities that they can spec into and unlock based on their class Uh, the weapon loadout system is fairly similar um it gives you a few more item slots uh instead of doing um abilities that are sort of on cooldown timers everyone has got kind of a an action bar or a mana bar however you want to look at it so you can only use your special abilities a certain number of times in combat so they've been given extra item slots to make up for it uh for consumables and then also everyone has got a couple of upgrade slots by default instead of having to research upgrades that do that that might change down the line um it copies the more modern style xcom thing of Uh, I've got a ship that has rooms that can be upgraded to do stuff and give me bonuses or resources or whatever. Um, And the way that works is your ship has got like power generation, which it has a certain amount of power by default. And then once you go over that, you start draining power every turn on the overworld map, which is where the FTL portion comes in. I'll talk about in a second. And then when you get to zero power, you fail uh, or you lose. You can build up extra power either by uh, buying it, like essentially buying batteries, or you can put generators on your ship to give you more power by default to build it back up or sort of even it out. There's some interesting stuff you can do with that. Uh, Bonuses, um, upgrades, research, um, major tweaks to the way your your squad works, like something like, I think it's called Energy Field Projector, and then, like, it's like an, uh, a ship ability that you can just use that for a couple of turns will give your guys an energy shield which blocks, you know, X amount of damage for those turns or until it takes that much damage and goes away. Or some stuff like that. So, I mean, there's some customization to it. But the system is pretty bare. There's a very clear optimal build for whatever ship that you go with. Like, there's three different ships that each offer different... Uh, bonuses to your squad by default and then have a different number of customizable points on them and just kind of looking over them like there's a pretty clear optimization path for each ship type for your gameplay style because there's one that sort of gives more bonuses to health and defense one that that gives them more to attack and then one that gives you a a boost more to your ability stats and so if you want to min max it you know, with the lack of options, it's a pretty clear path to do that for each ship based on what I've seen so far. Um, the combat system, though, identical to XCOM. Um, so far, every mission I've played breaks down into either defend X thing until all the bad guys are killed or search the map to kill all the bad guys. Uh, supposedly, there's supposed to be other missions recovery type stuff or you know planting a bomb or recovering an agent or something coming down the line but right now everything is just kill everything by finding it all or kill everything by waiting for it to come to you uh you have they have a numbers advantage but your people are much much more powerful so it kind of evens out in that way um and it uses the same cover system and the same symbols for the cover system. I, honestly, so many things are so identical. I might be worried about them, like if they get pop up on the radar, getting sued for uh, how how identical. Well, you can't that copyright is. game mechanics. Yes, but you can copy things like art style, uh, right? And I mean, this really oh, is oh, like, no, Well, not like, art
1: style, but you know, the actual art. So if they're using characters uh, you know, lifted directly from XCOM.
0: No nah, they're not using characters lifted directly from XCOM but. I mean if they it, if you could
1: copyright an art style think of uh, how shitty the world would be.
0: That's, fa- that's fair play. I just like it's its so similar it feels like they could have some kind of lawsuit to even even if they don't have like you know the basis to win the suit like they can make the suit and then make it extremely difficult on these guys to keep developing their game. Like, it's very, very similar. Um, then there's the FTL portion, which you have a rather large space map, um, and there is the beginnings of a story. It's like the first couple of story missions, and then it turns into the free play game, where you can just start a free play game, where you essentially roam the galaxy and take on missions and try not to run out of fuel or supplies to feed your crew. Um, they say that it's going to have a story where that you're like being chased by government and you have to stay, you know, one step ahead of them at all times. And that's where the FTL inspiration comes from. Um, But in the free play system, it basically just sort of shows where you've been and what systems are hostile to you and which ones aren't. Um, It seems like there's a basis for a faction system. That's not really implemented at this point because there are alien races and uh, missions to attack, you know, group certain groups or defend other groups And certain like solar systems will turn either green or red with red being they don't like you and they're hostile towards you. And then green being they do like you. And if you go to like the shop or something on that station, you can get a discount or whatever. Whereas if a state, a system helps you and or hates you enough, then you can't get supplies from them at all. So it's got some stuff like that, but that system is barely implemented into the game at all. It, it basically just functions more like an overworld map with your ship just consuming resources to go from solar system to solar system. Overall, at this point, it's an okay experience. Um, I've had some fun with it with a couple hours that I've played it. But it's at this point, it's so early. It's extremely shallow. Um, so, I mean, if you're really itching for this sort of turn-based experience, there's a lot better stuff out there right now but I mean if you do like these types of games it's something I think to maybe keep an eye on and just see how it develops down the line um it's currently 10 bucks to get it right now it's not worth that uh I wouldn't say don't buy it at all I mean it's not like the game is fundamentally broken it's not like it's an asset flip um aside from maybe just the basic gameplay systems that they've essentially copied but I mean, there's a difference in flipping something and just copying it, I think. But uh, <laughs> anyways, like, it's not, you know, the game's not broken. It's not a virus. It doesn't have, you know, as far as I have been well, able to well, tell. that's a
1: glowing review.
0: I know. I know. I mean, it's not like I'm saying, oh, I'll stay away from this. Like, if you like this type of game, there could be something here. And you keep your eye on it and see how it develops. But if you really want to play this type of game now, go play XCOM either of the two more recent Xcoms or you know BattleTech or know, one of yeah Xenonauts or one of many other already established well designed turn-based strategy games like there's there's stuff out there right now that you would be better to spend your 10 bucks on in a sale than to spend it on this and then hope for it to turn into something better and i and i do hope it does turn in, into something better Um, I'm always up for a good uh, turn-based, sci-fi-themed strategy game. But I I would not spend my own money on this at this point. So that's how I feel about that. And then the other game I played this week uh, is Medal of Honor Pacific Assault. I had posted on Twitter sometime in the last couple of weeks, like, man, I really want to play some World War II-themed games. Um, And I was just looking through my library to see if I had anything... And I uh, hopped on Origin because I remembered, like, I know I got a free game from them a while back. I'm pretty sure it was a Medal of Honor game, and I looked, and it was this. I had never played Medal of Honor Pacific Assault before. I know it's a, it is an older game. It released in 2004. Um, but I thought, you know what, you know, it might still scratch that itch very well. Um, it's been a long time since I've played some of these older World War II games. Back when the story was the biggest deal within the game, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not, uh, you know, uh, being a battle royale game, right?
0: Yeah, so oh. I've I've only played it for again a couple of hours max, and I'm really impressed with this game. Um, the graphics are pretty good considering how old the game is. I mean, it's obviously an older title, but. Um, It it still looks pretty good. They didn't go too far one direction or the other. That is, I don't feel like they were trying to be hyper-realistic, but they also didn't try and stylize or cartoon it up at all. It feels very real. The voice acting is surprisingly good for both the type of game it is and the time at which it came out. Um, And it handles like a first-person shooter does, really. Um, I mean, FPSs generally have been standardized for a long time and aside from just this sort of basic functions for controlling your squad or doing certain things like uh picking up an injured person and bringing them back to a a medic or a a med station or something to heal them and return them to the fight like things like that that are you know sort of more unique mechanics to the game compared to other first-person shooters i've seen you know you right click to aim down your sights left kick click to shoot Control to toggle crouch. Don't you mean left click
1: to make Nazi dead?
0: (laughs) Well, this is Pacific Assault, so it's left click to make a Japanese person dead. But I've played through the tutorial mission, which was about 30 or 45 minutes worth of boot camp, where you have a, a, a drill sergeant yell at you, not quite full metal jacket style, but You know, inspired, I think, somewhat by Full Metal Jacket, because he comes in at the beginning.
1: a, A PG version,
0: yeah. He comes in at the beginning, and he gives you a speech about God creating everything, and then on the eighth day, God created the Marine, and then like marching around the room and inspecting people, and you go out for a run, and he yells at you and calls you sort of PG bad names like maggot and dirtbag and slug and things like that <laughs> and then you go through this whole thing like you go through the the training where it teaches you you know the the basic controls of the game but also you run like an obstacle course and you do the whole stereotypical like movie style army kind of cutscene or montage, montage scene because you need you a know,
1: montage
0: yeah <laughs> where you're <laughs> climbing over stuff and you crawl through some mud and people shoot bullets over your head and You know, all that jazz. And, you know, you do the shooting training. and, But, I mean, it's like, at this point, you know, that's kind of cliched. But it's been a very long time since I have seen that in anything. Especially since I've played something like that. So it felt oddly fresh and refreshing. Despite the fact that I know it's been done a million times. It's just been so long since I've seen it. And it felt so genuine, too. Like, it wasn't full of bullshit or stupid jokes. They had, you know, that sort of... Arlie Ermey light drill sergeant bit that they did a couple of times, but otherwise it wasn't full of like stupid references to things or, you know, lame jokes. They used it as a way to build some character for other members of your squad that I'm sure are going to be important to the story later on. And then you, it drops you into Pearl Harbor right before the attack. You've got maybe five or 10 minutes where you're sort of going around this base and, your new commanding officer is talking to you and introducing you to people. Now, now does attac- anybody
1: talk about they're, they're, like, two days away from retirement?
0: No, they don't, actually. They do not. Or if they did, I didn't notice it. But, you know, you do that whole whole thing where you tour the base, and it, it feels really genuine, really well done. Again, some sort of maybe Pearl Harbor, the movie-inspired scenes of people like training and things like that, but still i enjoyed it then the attack happens and you go you get in a pt boat and you do your best to help defend the harbor um but obviously uh as we all know from history pearl harbor did not go well for the americans so it's a losing battle and then you go shift from trying to wait dude spoilers (laughs) so then you shift from trying to
1: say is that the titanic sank at the end of the movie
0: the the titanic sink at the end of the movie rage fuck (laughs) but you know then you kind of shift gears from trying to just kill as many japanese planes as possible to okay we're 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 screwed let's save as many people as we can so then you go into you know various situations and and save people and you know, put out fires and do damage control and ships and things. And, uh, it does wrap up with some more shooting. You hop on a big, uh, Bofors 40 millimeter and shoot down a few aircraft that are, um, trying to bomb one of the battleships that actually escapes from battleship row in Pearl Harbor. You defend, help defend the ship. Um, and then you escape from where you were. Uh, on I forget which battleship it was that you actually get onto, but I'm as I like going through the scene. I'm like, oh, oh, hey, there's the Tennessee. Hi, <laughs> and then like it blows up and it sinks, and I'm like, yeah, that happened to to the Tennessee. Yeah, the West Virginia uh, is a rather sad tale. <laughs> or do you know that one? No, actually, I don't know that one. Uh, uh,
1: well, the only reason why I know it is that my history teacher uh, talked about it uh, in high school. It's uh, well, you know the newsreel footage of the battleship that's upside down yeah that's the West Virginia
2: oh uh, okay
1: yeah. Uh, and uh, the thing is that there were people trapped inside of it
2: <laughs> yeah
1: and because you know it's a battleship uh you know it's rather armored so they weren't able to cut into it to uh, free a lot of people so a lot of people either suffocated or drowned or starved to death uh, inside uh inside of it and there are some uh other uh, horror stories that uh, uh my history teacher told me about uh you know like uh yeah finding calendars that had several days past december seventh uh, checked off
0: yeah was is the west virginia the one that's still under there that the is uh, no, for the,
1: no uh that's the uh Arizona, i
0: believe there okay but yeah, I mean that's where I've gotten to. The the end of the Pearl Harbor scene. It was about 2 hours and I'm looking forward to finishing the game. Um yeah, the there's Arizona. nothing about I just
1: it. wanted to double check myself. Yeah, it was the Arizona. I was pretty sure it yeah. was, but it was one of those things, you know, that little seed of doubt,
0: right? Yeah. But I mean there's nothing about it that's super wonky or janky. I mean it look, you know, it looks dated, but otherwise it plays well. I'm loving the focus on story, and maybe it's a little cliched and overdramatic, but it's been a long time since uh, a, a, an FPS has done something like that—a
1: story-driven World War II game.
0: Yeah, and it's good to go back to it, uh, at least for me. So I'm looking forward to finishing it. I'm looking forward to getting like I'm gonna get the Brothers in Arms series. There's like you can get all three games on Steam for like twenty bucks now. But I've seen it on, like, the sale prices say it's been, like, five bucks before for the three-pack. So I want to get that, play through those games, um, and just go through some of these older games that I haven't played in a long time or ever and experience them. Because nothing that's coming out today really scratches that itch anymore. What,
1: you don't want to play the latest version of Battle
0: Royale? No, I'm good.
1: Yeah, I sorry. I'm not sure if you heard me chuckle whenever I went to the middle of honor page on Origin. There's the red banner at the top. Do you know about Apex Legends is out now?
0: Yeah. No, I'm good. A, a
1: site-wide banner for it.
0: <laughs> I don't I don't need mm. to play Apex Legends. I,
1: I was tempted to try it, but then I realized there'd be a lot of kids there. That would probably piss me off.
0: I've been tempted to try it a couple of times, but I'm not going to, because I know I won't stick with it in the long run. And I've already got a whole bunch of games that <laughs> I play that have no ending to them. I don't need another one.
1: Yeah, I actually downloaded it, but just never fired it up. But then again, you know, I, I splurge on my internet, so it was like 30 minutes for me to download it, max. Yeah. Maybe that'd be something to try out together, I don't know. Cause I mean, I- a- it is a, a squad-based uh, battle royale, but you know, I would it's play not it with, on my list.
0: Yeah, I would play it with you or for like a community game night if people wanted to play it. But I'm not going to play it by myself. I have no interest in playing it by myself. So. But yeah, those are the games that I played this week.
1: Well, uh, aside, it's not all of them.
0: I was going to say, aside from our game club game. Which, in case this is the first time you've ever joined us for a game club. We're sorry. Rage Rage and I typically have very different tastes in video games. And even games that we play together at the same time, we tend to have differing opinions on. But that doesn't happen very often. So, Game Club is a way for us to get together, both as co-hosts and as a uh, podcasting community, to all play the same game at the same time and have a chance to talk about it. This week, um, or not this week, this month, one, February is already a short month. And two, we had to bleed the January Game Club an extra week just due to craziness that happened, which I won't get back into just for time's sake. So we picked something that was super short, much more mechanic-focused than story-based or anything like that, which is Bomber Crew. Uh, and sometime, back into the
1: uh, World War II uh, uh,
0: theme again. yeah. Some time ago, when Twitch was doing free games for Twitch Prime or whatever, well, they're still doing um, it,
1: but it was a particular month,
0: right? But they they gave this away along with its expansion or DLC or whatever that has the American content in it. So we played this through Twitch. I don't know if there's any major content difference on like Steam or whatever. I of have so. to pay for the DLC. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's a major difference, but. Just in case there is, we did play it through the the Twitch app or the Twitch gaming app or whatever it's called. So, just uh, you know, get that out of the way up front. Uh, Rage, tell us uh, a little bit about Bomber Crew, and then we'll get into well, our Bomber thoughts.
1: Crew is a World War Two themed FTL like uh, to, for lack of a better term, it's a vehicle management game where you're com- uh, in control of a, well, like it says on the tent, a bomber crew doing missions and trying not to die horribly as you do them. And you have to maintain your uh, crew, uh, build them up, work on your, cra- uh, on your aircraft, uh, improve it, uh, add extra systems, uh, and run the missions, which also requires your direct input. Uh, is there anything else I'm missing? no i don't think so uh, yeah the nutshell version of it
0: yeah i mean that's basically there is a, yeah. a bit of a story to it as it progresses through the war but i mean neither of us beat it for reasons that will become clear soon but uh <laughs> i don't know how integral the story is because it is a rogue light Ro- yeah rogue light is this a rogue light yeah um there's yeah, a rogue light it would be on...
1: a a bomber in a dungeon <laughs>
0: That sounds interesting, actually. Um, but anyways, you know, there's an emphasis on well, you know, you get shot down, your people die, spend time grinding, get back up there again, you know, give it another try. So it's not a complete reset whenever you die, but you lose a lot, a lot of your stuff and have to grind it back up. So
1: yeah, uh, particularly if you lose the aircraft because that is uh, the lion's share of your upgrades.
0: Yes. And also, if and you it's lose like a the whole aircraft... Of,
1: and it's like a 10 times as expensive to outfit your aircraft as it is to a single crew member.
0: Yeah. And if you lose your aircraft, uh, unless you have put lots of parachutes in it, many of your crew are going to die as well. Because not everybody has a parachute by default. You can have up to four parachutes in your plane on these equipment racks, but then that means you're sacrificing other equipment. And there are some people that get parachutes as like an ability. There might be a parachute that you can just buy as part of the gear loadout for your people at some point. But I did not unlock it, and I got farther than you did. So. Yeah. But yeah, when the plane goes down, you have a much higher chance of people dying and less of. Yeah, yeah it's just out. like in real life. Yeah, I mean that that does make sense. That checks out. But yeah, bomber crews. Started out okay for me, but the gameplay mechanics, several of them, which are extremely frustrating. Just and got
1: also old. the UI. Yeah. Oh, I hated the it, UI in the barracks, or I should say the base in general. It has slow ass transitions, and it's split. Uh, this, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I'm pretty sure this was a mobile first title. And it shows because it is very, very frustrating on the amount of wasted screen real estate. Uh, Especially on equipping your crew and equipping the aircraft. Each individual slot of the crew is... uh, Or each individual crew member, I should say. Each individual slot is an entirely different menu when it really didn't need to be and it is a lot of busy work to especially if you lose someone and you have to re-outfit them that's a lot of clicking and a lot of going back and forth and there's like i said long transitions between like going from the barracks to the aircraft or going from the aircraft to uh, the briefing which is where you do your mission select You unnecessarily long. I mean, I understand that they want to emphasize that, okay, you're in the actual base looking into the different buildings for the menu. But, you know, at least for me, I'm not sure, it could be a Corcommon system, but there was like a hang where it stopped and thought about it It then went into the building.
0: Mm, I got that sometimes. I didn't think too much about it because it wasn't happening constantly for me. I just assumed the game was having got hung up, you know, difficulty loading or something.
1: Yeah, but it's just... Uh, I'm not sure if it was an artistic thing. I'm not sure if it was a, a loading screen that was hidden. But, yeah, you know, this isn't exactly, you know, a crisis. This isn't a very pretty game. So it shouldn't take that much to load it.
0: No, it should not. I did like the art style, though. Uh, it was alright. It,
1: it, there was times that it was, uh, you know a little too simplistic, especially whenever they tried to show something complex, like, uh, the radio, uh, just looks like a jumble of blocks that looks like nothing like a radio.
2: Yeah. Fair enough.
1: Uh, but, yeah, there was that, uh, there's a lot of bouncing, uh, uh, individual, uh, pieces of equipment trying to, uh, well, in theory, I would assume that you would want to have... A particular loadout for et- uh, different types of missions, but because the missions are roguelite, uh, they could throw you a different, uh, you know, different side objectives. And you know, if you're trying to build out to do high altitude bombing, or you know, high altitude, then go in, dive down, and bomb real quick and get out. Well a lot of the thermal stuff slows down your crew. So if you have to have like your engineer move around the uh, aircraft to put out fires and, you know, know, fix things, you're going to be screwed because, you know, that engineer is going to be a lot slower. And some of these fights are actually pretty intense.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't help that
1: the UI sucks to, to manage individual crew members.
0: Yeah. There are hotkeys for Actions like if you select any of your gunners and hit R, they will go to like the ammo crate to get ammo to reload. And there's a hotkey to go to the hospital bed, and there's there's hotkeys for a couple of other actions for different crew positions. But yeah, but to go to
1: repair individual systems, there isn't, as far as I could tell.
0: No, there's not. And then your bomber, uh, or no, the, the bomb,
1: bombardier, shit,
0: Bombardier, thank you. Uh, he typically rides in the front turret and then you swap him to the bombing station where he can like look through the bomb site. Uh, and there's no hotkey for that. Like you have to manually select him and move him. And sometimes you, you know, if you forget him or if you misclick the tiniest bit or the game decides that it just isn't like what you told it to do, then he'll, you know, could wind up just standing in the nose or I guess laying in the nose of the craft not actually, you know, on the bomb site. So you go to use that, the drop bombs, and it's like, oh, why can't I? He's laying, oh, he's like two inches away from it, and he can't move to the nearest station on his own, or something like that. That's extremely frustrating.
1: Yeah, the uh, the game could uh, could have used some very basic automation for a lot of the more basic actions. And that that, well, should I tell you how I lost my aircraft? Because it's both hilarious and shows you just how fucking frustrating the UI could be. All sure. Right? Go for it. I was coming off of uh, the last mission of Chapter 2, which, for me, actually ended up being a bit tougher. I'm not sure if it's just I didn't grind up enough, if I just had bad luck on the uh, on the RNG or what. But my aircraft got shot pretty badly, alright? So all I was right. coming into the airfield, and uh the aircraft uh, spontaneously call on fire you know like you do and that's one thing that frustrates the hell out of me about this game is that this ga- this uh aircraft is obviously built by the lowest bidder because when you start out things break just randomly but anyway it was yelling at me to go put out a fire well i had just repaired the engine uh and i was uh, sending him back uh, my engineer back to the uh, engineering po- uh, Station to basically hammer the lean fuel mixture because I was running low on fuel because I had a a tank shot and I lost a fair chunk of fuel. Well, when I clicked on the engineer station, instead of sending the engineer back, it selected the pilot. When it yelled at me to put out the fire, uh, I thought I still had the engineer uh, uh, highlighted. I didn't. I had the pilot highlighted. So the pilot started to go back to put out the fire. While the aircraft was up, Doing a like a corkscrewed uh, down to get to altitude to land. So as soon as the pilot yep. left the seat, the plane went out of control, and it was yelling at me to put the pilot back in uh, the pilot position or yo know, get someone on the st- stick. But because the plane was in a steep bank, I couldn't because everybody was pinned, and I crashed and lost uh, all but two of my crew. And that's when I uh, messaged you and said I'm done with this game. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I lost my – the only time I had a plane shot down was the the final mission for Chapter 1, where you have to escort a, sh- a ship in to your See, I never
1: him. had a, uh, an aircraft shot down. I had uh, aircraft sh- uh, lost just due to pure stupidity of the UI. Well, I did now, have my- a, a couple aircraft crash on the landing uh, uh, strip just because I had a uh, landing gear that wouldn't
0: uh, drop. I did not have that. But, yeah, so my plane got shot down. I completed the mission. So, you know, I passed it. I went on to the first mission that was available in Chapter 2. But I completed the mission. I was coming back to base, and an enemy ace shows up. And I mean, my plane was already shot up. I was low on fuel. I had multiple people hurt. Like, I'm, you know, I was like, yeah, I did it. I'm going back to base. I'm safe. And then the ace shows up. And I remember, like, and he's in just... The regular fighter, because there's a heavy fighter which can fly higher, and then the regular fighters um, cannot fly quite as high. Uh, so it was something that they tell you: it's like if you're being pursued by a lot of fighters and you can't escape in one way or another, you don't feel like you could shoot them down. Climb to the highest altitude possible, and then you, you know, they they won't be able to follow you. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that. Because I was flying at low altitude?
1: Yeah, um, there's three different uh, altitude sets. Uh, low, medium, and high. And uh, they uh, each have their uh, uh, particular things that you'd need. Like, low altitude is pretty much just you don't need anything special. Medium altitude, you need some thermal wear because it's starting to get cold. And if you're in high altitude, you actually need oxygen and more thermal wear. Otherwise, you're... Uh, Uh, Crew will start to freeze. Uh, You could could stay uh, in the cold for a while, but if you stay too long, you actually kill them.
0: You can also avoid uh, when they're at their cruise stations, they have access to oxygen, like internal oxygen. But if they get up and move around, they have to have oxygen in their flight gear, their flight suit. Mm
1: -hmm. And also, if the oxygen system suddenly breaks or gets shot,
0: then yeah, then they'll all die if you don't. Yeah, which uh, which oxygen. i was
1: having so much trouble with the, the different systems breaking uh yeah just drain I didn't trust it
0: but but anyways so i you know i punched the rich fuel mixture to go you know to speed up and then selected the highest altitude and started climbing and the ace even though he wasn't in the heavy fighter still followed me all the way to high altitude and you know i i had all of my guys attacking him i did not have enough th- i had oxygen i didn't have get enough thermal gear to operate at high altitude for very long. And I the plane started getting penetrated. My guys started getting hurt. I had four guys down, bleeding out at one point. Finally, the ace breaks off. He can't take it anymore. I'm like, okay, thank God. I can, like, save my crew. My plane is shot to hell. I've used all of my emergency, like, automatic. Like, I I, I had the engines to, you know, you can a thing that lets you just select an engine and put out a fire without having to send somebody out onto the wing to put out the fire. Yeah, You can also dive to put out the fire, but when you dive, if people aren't in their seats, they can sort of fly backwards in the plane or they'll sort of be pinned to their seat and they can't move around. So I did not want to dive to put out the fire because I had multiple people bleeding out. So I start stabilizing people. I have f- six people in the back of the plane, four people who are down and then two people who are healing them. The only person I had not in the back was the pilot. Well, suddenly, I assume from all of the damage and the stress on the airframe, my plane splits in twain. The, the back comes off of the plane, and the six people in the back just spill out into the air, and my plane starts going down. And I'm like, I don't know if I can glide. I don't know, like... What I can do, I don't know if I can bail out. The pilot didn't have a parachute in his pack. The only parachute I had was in the rear of the aircraft. So he and rode the, that. And the pilot's like, "Well, fuck." He rode that sucker all the way down. The pilot was the only survivor. The only, the only recovered survivor. All, all of the rest of them died. The four people who were already bleeding out, they died, and then the other two people uh, died and were not recovered. So I lost my plane. I lost all of my crew except for the pilot, and I was also done with it for a little while. I had to take a break and come back to it. And I had maxed out the plane. I had maxed out my... Well, I I mean, I hadn't maxed out my crew, but...
1: Well, maxed out to that point because you're constantly getting unlocks.
0: Right, right, right. I had maxed it out to the point where I could then, and I lost roughly half of my upgrades on the plane and i had to start over with a brand new crew and spend a lot of time grinding them up to get their skills back that was very that was the only time my plane got shot down all the other times i either was able to save it or it didn't even come close to getting shot down
1: yeah see i had the plane a couple times uh crash on the runway because i had a landing gear that was stuck and there was and there's nothing you could do about that as far as i could tell yeah, uh, it doesn't I, it doesn't count as losing the plane though because you could still recover it. Uh, yeah, thankfully, but it doesn't count as the safe return bonus, which uh, you know E-tip, uh requires you know extra missions to be able to grind out some more.
0: Yeah, I had uh, I had one time my gear was stuck, but it was stuck extended, so um, oh no, that's lucky. I was still able to land, <laughs> no problem.
1: Yeah, the, the- biggest. <sighs> oh, sorry, oh, go sorry, ahead. go ahead. Uh no! <laughs> After you.
0: Okay. The biggest problem I have with the game is the stupid targeting system.
1: Oh yeah, uh, there is an upgrade for the uh, the radio guy uh, for auto targeting, but he, and that's very high level. Yeah. Uh, the my radio guy and my pilot are the only ones that survived the uh, the uh, the crash, so I did have the auto targeting, but oh, it, it's so stupid because okay. On top of having to manage your crew, which there's you know, one thing that they should have stole from FTL is the save and return to stations uh, buttons. and they didn't do that. and I don't know why they didn't because you know there's so much of moving around people uh, that it uh, yeah makes a lot of sense in this game uh, but on top of managing your crew you're constantly having to do course corrections and target uh, enemies as they show up. And to do that, you have to go into a targeting mode, which zooms in and you have to hold uh, the view over the uh, enemy or whatever. Uh, And this is for all course corrections, all targets for different missions. And it's something like what, one or two seconds. But the thing is that whenever an enemy is coming in, if they go over you, well, you have to swing the camera around and there's just something about how they have this camera where it's very tough to follow enemies. that goes over or above you. Or uh, at least for me, it was.
0: No, it was for me too. And if they break out of that targeting circle, there's, I don't, actually, I don't know if there's a little bit of a grace period or not. Cause if they fly over and you lose it, and then you have to sort of come around and get back on target, you have to start that targeting process over again. Which, again, it's only a couple of seconds, but it's frustrating. But it's for and- each
1: enemy. And there's times that you'll be facing half a dozen or more enemies. So you have to yeah. target each individual one. And that's on top of mission objectives as well, because at least for me, the last uh, mission I did uh, was the one with the V-2 rocket. Yeah and that also shows the weakness of the uh, the navigation was that it kept sending me away from the rocket, but the pilot would constantly bitch that you know, I, uh, he needs course corrections, and there's just so much on screen that having the additional text box saying, I need tor- a course correction is covering up even more of the screen. And yes, there is an ability to slow down time, uh, you know, borrowing that from FTL, you know, the Paul's Tom feature, but... For one, it's a limited resource of, what, like 10 seconds? It's a very yeah. short time. And two, it slows down the targeting radical.
0: <laughs> yeah, it slows down everything else. So, I mean, the point of that in my mind should be it slows down everything else except what you're doing to give you a chance to catch up and get some stuff like you know planned out. And instead, it just slows everything down. Which, in some sense, makes it easier to keep the targeting reticle on a bomber flying, or on a fighter flying over or under you. But otherwise, it's like, what's the point? I almost never used it.
1: Uh, At the end, I just never used it at all. And you also get a slight bonus for not using it. I would have unbound it, but you can't even uh, see the keybinds. At least as far as I know. Maybe it's in somewhere. But it was also a Unity game, so it may have been in the launcher.
0: Yeah. It uh, uh, but, problematic.
1: Yeah, the well, uh, you do have the ability eventually. Uh, it's well, it's actually the first unlock ability on the navigator uh, to set a custom waypoint. But on top of everything else, having to set the custom waypoint, it's you know, in order to do that, you have to uh, click on the navigator, then click on the uh, figure out the in relation to where your plane is on the little mini map that is on the navigator screen, where you want the waypoint. Then you go into targeting mode and target the waypoint that you just created to navigate to it.
0: Yeah, the only time the waypoint, in in my opinion, is useful is whenever you've completed your miss- mission. Maybe even you complete all the bonus objectives, and all you need to do is get back to base. So you can set the custom waypoint on or real close to the base instead of having to wait for it to update every 60 seconds or whatever the timer is. Keep, I think the timer depends on
1: how much cloud cover you have.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, whatever the interval happens to be, you can just set one waypoint and head towards your base versus every whatever. Okay, and you target the new waypoint because I've gone off course. Okay, and you target the new waypoint because I've gone off course. You, know, you just you avoid that.
1: Yeah. Uh, something else is that uh, the skill system feels a little lacking to me. It's just the fact that, okay, gunners always have the same skills in the same order, there's no variance. There's no choice. It feels like it's a system that could have been uh, improved a little bit more, or given some more depth. Uh, bombardier yeah. is the <laughs> same way. You do eventually, after was it like level four, get the sub job, but even then, it feels like there's you know, a very optimized path. You know, yeah, like have one gunner be uh, first aid as a secondary job so they can heal a bit better, or yeah, you know, uh, have a uh, you know, the, your na- uh, your navigator be able to uh, take over as an engineer or something all the uh crew are able to do all the jobs at a very basic level but you don't get the extra perks or abilities so like uh, gunners have the ability to focus fire to uh, get a, a better accuracy and uh, is it more damage as well or is it just uh a- accuracy but whatever it is yeah. You know,
0: no, it's just the accuracy, which okay. I mean, well, I well, guess well, in the long still, run does mean you get more damage. Yeah, because
1: it, because yeah, you know, there is uh, you know a recoil for the guns, uh, but yeah. uh, and then there's a defensive fire where you're just kind of spraying and praying uh, to uh, get fighters to break away. And, yeah, you, and it's always those two abilities for gunners, no matter what. Uh, bombardiers they get the ability to be able to take photograph uh, recon photographs uh, from a mid level altitude, but I never got that to work right.
0: Did you? Uh, no, but I also just kind of ignored recon photographs, unless that was the actual mission itself. Well, remember, I uh, lost a couple of people, so
1: I was trying to uh, gain uh, some uh, extra money. Right. And there's also two currencies, there's money and then there's research, research which allows you to uh, get higher level stuff earlier, but it's such a ground <laughs> that I never really was able to do it.
0: Yeah, I got a few things, but... I mean, you do unlock stuff as you go, so I I kind of was like, okay, here's a need, or this is something that might fit my playstyle better. I'll get this sooner, but nothing ever really seemed to pay off that well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no vari- Like, there's no additional planes to unlock or to. Yeah, you're always you know, the bomber. To get. Yep, yeah, and you're always the same bomber, and you're always um, the
1: lone bomber. That's the other thing.
0: Yeah. There's you you can have a B17 uh if you play the American DLC or expansion or whatever it is. Yeah, but uh, um, that's it probably their plays bomber. Exactly the same, right? Yeah, it plays the same. He's just got American themed and uh, and no tea
1: kettle built into the plane.
0: No. Definitely got to have that tea kettle.
1: <laughs> Actually that was a thing in uh the uh British tanks. Yep. I'm was not making need. that up.
0: No, I know you're not making it up. I know that it's a real thing.
1: Uh, But, yeah, it's just... It feels like this is... It has the potential of being something a lot better. But it just... There's just a lot of systems that never felt like they were really fleshed out to me. Yeah. uh, There was a decent amount of uh, mission variety, but, yeah, it's just... You're still looking at yeah, you know, like five, ten minute missions where a lot of it is just downtime waiting to get to the waypoints.
0: Yeah. And uh, constantly but, hitting lean fuel because mm-hmm. you're always out of fuel until you get some other upgrades.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing, is that it's not uh the different abilities aren't toggles either. Yeah, you have, you have to constantly hit lean fuel, you have to uh ask for uh, recon. It's just some of the abilities would have made sense as uh, toggles and someone, you know, like, yeah, you know, Focus Fire doesn't make sense as a toggle. That should be a timed ability. But Lean Fuel Mixture? You know, suddenly it's like, okay, that's enough. Uh, back to the regular. Well, does he get bored?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I'm just thinking. I don't think I have anything else to really... Like, I didn't... It's I, I didn't not hate a,
1: the game. It's just, it's kind of meh. There's a lot of things I had problems with uh, on a mechanics-based level, just because it either didn't make sense or it felt like it wasn't built around a PC. So it was a lot of, yep, you know, trying to uh gameplay mechanics into something that shouldn't be gameplay mechanics, especially that targeting system. I absolutely hate that fucking targeting system. I mean, it made sense for uh, to do some sort of navigation but I think that would have been a lot more interesting if you actually did it on the map on the navigator screen instead of doing it in the overworld uh, right. by, by a targeting reticle or even better yet instead of having individual waypoints be able to draw out your uh, flight path and the skill of your pilot determines how closely you're able to follow that but have the ability for the pilot to override that uh, during an, uh, an emergency. But to be fair, you know, bombers weren't exactly the most agile of aircraft.
0: <laughs> no, they were not. And the whole strategy for creating a bomber that was so, you know, tough that a a fighter couldn't take it down, wasn't never really panned out. And that idea required f- whole air groups of bombers to make it work. And you're a lone bomber mm-hmm. in every mission. I don't know of any mission where you get support from other aircraft aside from the tutorial, where you get some Spitfires that come and yeah, help that's actually with fires. Uh, yeah,
1: you never actually have a friendly aircraft. Now that I think about it, uh, you always I mean, uh, encounter you know the uh, pilots I had to uh, bail out, and you have to drop supplies to them.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I don't I don't know if there are any missions anywhere in the game that actually do that, but I never saw one. And and supposedly
1: the uh, missions that have you shooting at a mobile target are absolutely horrid. I mean, I encountered that with the V two mission where uh, for quite a while, because you know I just didn't mess with the custom uh, waypoints because usually whenever I needed them, you know it, it was I was busy elsewhere. Uh, the uh, waypoints were good enough and, you know, kept me from falling asleep on the way back.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
1: But, uh, you know, that one mission where it constantly kept taking me uh, sort of just far enough away from the uh, rocket to be able to uh, shoot it down. To be fair, it's not the primary objective, but, yeah, that's a lot of money. Right. And also, whenever you're doing a bombing run, uh, for some bombing runs, you know, you only have one shot for each of them. In some of the uh, missions, you're flying over a group of like fuel depots, and you have to bomb the proper one; otherwise, it doesn't count. So, yeah,
0: yeah. So, I don't, I don't think that this is necessarily a bad game from a, I would say, a design it's a flawed sense. Game. Yeah, it's flawed. There's stuff here that people could like, for sure. And it's not like the game... You know, the .exe file doesn't work or anything like that. But it is... A, a mess. It feels like a mess. Like they Like... They should have cut or changed some mechanics. Like, they didn't quite know what they were doing when it came to... Deciding how the game was really going to play out. Um... So, yeah, I mean...
1: Actually, this was never a mobile game. It just feels like it. <laughs> it is on yeah. console, though, so maybe that's it.
0: Maybe. Actually, I might like this game better playing it with a controller.
1: See, and uh, and that's the thing, is that now that I... Uh, yeah, I look here and I see... Oh, well, uh, it's on PlayStation 4. The way that that camera handles in targeting mode makes a lot more sense now.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, it's... I don't recommend it. I'm not going to play it anymore. Yeah, um,
1: uh, yeah. It's if you're hard up for a uh, FTL-like game, there's a lot better uh, clones out there. Unless you absolutely have to have a bomber-themed one.
0: Yeah, uh, or it, really, really, really need World War II in your life.
1: Yeah, uh, and even then, the you know, I'd be surprised that there's not another World War II FTL-like out
0: there. Probably, I could see a naval-based World War II FTL like being a pretty swell deal.
1: Something like this uh, where... uh, It's uh, more naval combat where you don't have to deal with uh, aircraft constantly flying over you in a targeting mode. I could probably work it a little bit better. Uh, But yeah, that targeting mode I think is what killed it for me. Because I can understand having to ground back up, especially if... Uh, the uh, 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 if you lose a lot of your crew or lose your crew in craft, oh, uh, can you imagine ha- do, having a full wipe uh, if that's possible?
0: Oh, that would be terrible.
1: Uh, especially since uh, a lot of the uh, really required abilities are like you know level four or five. I think uh, the uh, auto-target ability for the navigator is like level six. Which uh, you know, as soon as I got that, I was pretty much hammering it.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, having a full wipe would not be fun.
1: I mean, it makes sense uh, in a uh, sense, but I'll, i I think another uh, thing that they should have done, outside of you know, streamline the barracks screen, is make it where you could turn down people, so you could try to reroll. But all the all the uh, characters have some sort of. Trait system that uh, never really gets explained. What they do outside of you know, uh, obviously the the different uh, characters have slightly different stats, so you know there's something at play there. But being able to send away, okay, well, I got a lot of crappy gunners, uh, yeah, send them away. Let's see if I get something better, even if it costs you uh, like a little bit of money or a little bit of uh, research to you know uh, to cast them off. To you know, "Eh, these guys suck. Give me something else. And also. Something that kind of bugged me is that you're in a very locked loadout, especially with the different types of missions that you have to do. I would have liked to seen the option to, you know, I don't want to have a dedicated navigator. I want to have a gunner that has a secondary ability that is a navigator so I could have all my guns manned at all times or yeah something like that but no you're forced to have a one pilot not two uh, like the uh real bombers did uh a navigator a radio man an engineer two gunners and a bombardier two gunners and a yeah and it's that and nothing else as soon as you uh get two gunners all the other gunners are gone and you only have bombardiers I would like to see some a, a sort of option of you know uh, you have know, some player choice there
0: Yeah, you know, have your that would have been nice. I had that same thought. Like, oh, I want to get people with different stats, or maybe not even necessarily just you know different. But I mean, you could get different you know named people with different sort of little backgrounds and uh, men and women, and just being able to uh, get more chance as it rolls on that sort of stuff, or even have it where
1: the different uh, traits that people have affect what skills they learn. Yeah. Because it's always the set skills. There should have uh, I would have liked to have seen some sort of uh, skill tr- either skill tree or skill choice system. Uh but no, it's you're never given a choice outside of your secondary uh, profession essentially for each uh, crew member. Which was a uh, slightly disappointing to me. Yeah. Because part of the fun of a roguelite or roguelike uh yeah uh, because yeah, that term's kinda blurred these days is the character creation and the character, you know, story. Yeah, as they progress, what skills they pick up, what armor they pick up, you know, their story. But for bomber crew, you know... Oh, well, uh, you lost your gunners. They're uh, back at level two because that's the best that you were able to get in the barracks. Uh, So, okay, your uh, your gunners have focus fire again, no matter what. Or, you know... uh, one uh, of your counters is level one. When, when he levels up, he'll get focus fire again, and you'll be fine. Yeah, it just it it feels almost like an early access game,
0: but it is not. It is fully released. Has DLC and everything.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which a lot of the DLC is mostly cosmetic, with uh, some extra missions and items. Uh, I didn't even uh, really touch the DLC, though.
0: I didn't either. Uh the base game is fifteen bucks if you buy the deluxe edition, which has, you know, everything at this point. Uh it's twenty-five. And then you can buy the different DLCs Um individually if you do so desire. Yeah,
1: this is not a twenty five dollar game, in my opinion. No. Fifteen's probably pushing it.
0: Um, I could see fifteen as like a niche title for someone who's really into it for someone who just wants to check it out between 5 and 10 bucks feels pretty appropriate I think but uh, otherwise yeah it's not great
1: yeah which is a shame because it it looks very interesting it, has, it does have a nice art style for the most part some of the more complex items are, are just look like a mess but damn yeah uh, it's a shame that the uh, the American DLC, it doesn't change the gameplay any at all. Uh, it looks like it may have a slight change on just because of where the uh, the top turret, I'm not pro- sure the proper term for it, is located on the craft itself. It looks like it's fo- um, more forward. Yeah. So it uh, may provide a little bit better coverage. But yeah, that's about it. Yeah, just disappointing overall.
0: Yeah, it's not it's not, not
1: bad, but not. Eh. I wonder if they're uh, planning on uh, doing another game in this type of uh, style or yeah, you know, this kind of genre? Because as far as I could tell, they've only done Bomber Crew. Let's see. Let's do a quick search on them. Runner Duck. Uh, they're, well, I feel a little uh, bad about uh, shitting on them so much. They're a two uh, person indie uh, studio. <laughs> but yeah, uh, being uh, honest about it, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's got a lot of uh, positive reviews on Steam. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this has clicked with a, a certain group of people that enjoy it. And that's great. I mean, you know, it's not like the game is broken or necessarily bad a hundred percent. It's just got things in there that we both happen to find frustrating.
1: Mm-hmm. So, especially that targeting system. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and it's not so much the targeting system. It's the fact that your gunners will sit there and get shot up. If you don't talk manually target.
0: And if you don't manually reload, they'll just sit there with no ammo.
1: Oh, uh, I started just uh, the tail uh, turret just got the uh, auto feed, uh, Uh, upgrade instantly. Yeah. Because that's a long trek for that guy, and he has to climb over a couple things. So it just wasn't worth
0: it. Yeah. So, neither of us really liked it all that much. (laughs) Mm, Well, let's talk about what we're going to do for March, which is another World War II game we are going to be playing the original company of heroes uh we're gonna focus on what did we say the american campaign yeah that's
1: the first campaign if i recall correctly
0: yeah um and you know we might get into more of it if both of us are able to get past it but the real focus is going to be the american campaign so
1: yeah and uh, single player focus of course Hey, yeah. we get we get to storm the beaches of Normandy, though. We never get to do that in a, a video game, ever. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, the beaches of Normandy is just uh, covered with loot boxes these days.
0: Hmm. And kids. Mm. Loot boxes. Hmm. <laughs> Okie dokie. But yeah,
1: so uh, still in the World War II uh, theme, but now we're going strategy. So we'll Indeed. see if that, uh, forward to that. that does a little bit better.
0: Yep. All right. Do you need a break or anything? Uh, probably or... wouldn't hurt
1: to stand up for a little bit.
0: Okay. Then we will take a quick break between this and our first news segment. And then we'll be right back. Bethesda bans Fallout 76's one fan for accumulating too <laughs> much ammo. Oh. Uh, Again, I'm the sure gift that... that keeps on shitting the bed. I'm sure that there's other fans out there. They just don't have 900 hours. Yeah, so this... I mean, the short version of the story is that there was this player who has 900 hours played across a couple of characters, um, at least two that were seemed to be important to the story, and what he was doing was trading ammo back and forth between the characters for to try out different weapons, at least according to what he says. I don't Yeah. I no yeah, reason. there's a...
1: The story requires a a bit of uh, belief uh, on either Bethesda's part or the player's part. And uh, honestly, I kind of lean towards the player here just because Bethesda's been so fucking incompetent.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, it seems weird that he would do this, but having not played Fallout 76 and, well, supposedly know, the, the inventory uh, foibles the, yeah. and... Well,
1: the inventory is supposedly very uh, limited. And it's limited by weight, I believe, uh, if uh, if I recall correctly. And ammo, of course, uh, has a weight on it. Right. And what this guy was doing, which uh, uh, here's uh, kind of his take on it, is that uh, it picked up that he had over a hundred thousand of several uh, different ammos, which is supposed to be uh, impossible in a 30-day period. Including a couple of uh, rare items. And a couple of people, including Sid Alpha, which is one is in the show notes, uh, but him, uh, the uh, band person himself, also says that this is likely what happened, and yeah, I kind of believe it because, uh, like Sid Alpha said, that this is kind of an edge case to begin with because he's probably uh, passing off uh, a lot of ammo to begin with. Is that it keeps track as a anti cheat thing how much uh, people pick up and if you see a lot of a certain item, that's a potential red flag to pay attention to them more. Well, the way this guy was handing off ammo, instead of doing the actual in-game trading interface because it's supposedly not very good, which is not hard to believe, he was using world containers and just dumping stuff into a container and having the other account pick it up. Well, according to... Uh, uh, some ideas for how this uh, could possibly trigger a flag if he isn't item duping, which, like I said, requires a little bit of a be- belief on him on his part, is that it was picking up that he was picking up, uh, yeah, uh, let's say ten thousand uh, of uh, nine millimeter rounds. All right, I'm not sure if nine millimeter is one of the particular ammo types in this, but it's you know devil's advocate, yeah, you know, for simplicity's sake. He picks up 10,000 rounds. Well, he then decides, eh, I don't like this particular gun. I'll go bank this ammo. So he drops 10,000 rounds. Well, he gets another gun that's uh, used that particular ammo that, you know, eh, maybe I want to try that. He'll uh, pass off the 10,000 rounds again. And because it didn't take the original 10,000 off when he dropped them, well, suddenly that character's picked up 20,000, then thirty. It still requires a lot of back and forth, but this is a guy that supposedly has 900 hours played, so it's not beyond the realm of possibility when you have somebody that's insane, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I th- someone – I read somewhere someone worked it out. Nine it hours was like uh, plus nine... per day. Yeah. Every day. Every day. Every day. I can get pretty obsessive over games and things, but I've never gotten that obsessive over one. Even Eve online, I wasn't. Oh no, you're you're pushing it with Battletech
1: there for a bit.
0: Yeah, but to keep it up for months like the first month when everything in my life was perfectly aligned to play Battletech nonstop, I did. And then, you know, I had other shit. And even then, like, I can't put 900 hours at a time into a game. Like, there are games that I have played and will play for that long, but it's spread out over the course of years.
1: Yeah, I think my account, Oh, well, let's see. Let's go to my Steam account. This should be fun. I think I have one game that would uh, go over this, or maybe two. And, of course, I, I click the uh, games thing, and it, uh, it sits there. It's like, oh, God, please don't <laughs> I know I have two because I have Warframe and Team Fortress 2. And I think that's it for me. Yeah. Right. Firefox doesn't like going to my games tab. It's like, uh, uh, this uh, web page is loading, loading slowly. Are, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> uh, but yeah, just Warframe and Team Fortress 2. And that's, yeah, you know, the course of years. And then, you yeah, know, MMOs, of course. But yeah, you know, that's also over the course of years so I know I'd have it on uh, EverQuest and World of Warcraft but yeah once again years not months
0: yeah I've got that many in EVE Online which took several years to play to get that high and then uh, Oblivion Elder Scrolls Oblivion um, I had I believe 1200 hours total but it took me the better part of 10 years to get that many hours played into it and I started playing that when I was I'd in pr- high school.
1: I'd probably be when, pushing it, but not, but not close to it.
0: But those are the only two that I know of that I have. I've had several that have gotten pretty high, but yeah, that those are the only two. And again, years, not three months. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Yeah, I mean that's just insane to begin with. <laughs> uh, do, do you suddenly have the urge to reach out? This guy's like. Do you need to talk?
0: No. It wouldn't do any good. Um, but maybe you know, if,
1: maybe he's like a guard somewhere and, you know, he, <laughs> he has a lot of
0: free time. Reach out to him and be like, hey, how do you get nine hours a day to play video games?
1: I mean, damn. But
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: but yeah, you know, uh, th- you know, this is a uh, game beyond the issue, you know? Because we yeah. are ignoring the fact that he got banned for this, and it's just uh, there's some weird stuff going on. But then we also look at, yo, it's Bethesda.
0: Yeah, you know I can understand devs wanting to blame people or not blame ban people who are or have proven to be cheaters. And this is like a really weird case where, yeah, this like, is an edge case to begin maybe. With. But it's, it's like, I mean, all he's doing is just having shitloads of ammo. Like.
1: That's if this is true. And that's the only item that was triggered on this. There was a a, one rare ammo. And then there was a couple others that were supposedly pretty common. It was uh, received an email. uh, And it doesn't list the uh, particular ammos in this one. Uh, Of course. Right. Uh, but it's uh, over within thirty g- days of gameplay. So that's the other thing: is thirty days of gameplay. Does that mean thirty days, as in the last thirty days, or does it mean you know thirty days worth of hours, which would be seven hundred twenty hours of gameplay? Once again, a lot of gameplay for a hundred thousand uh, uh, rounds, but not impossible
0: yeah I mean after 60 ish hours in Fallout 4 I had at minimum hundreds of rounds for everything and thousands for some others' weapons that you know common that maybe I didn't use as much anyways or whatever like so I mean I could see having shit loads of ammo just from gameplay so
1: yeah it's just uh, there's a lot of weird things to begin with in this uh, on both sides, because, you know, uh, uh, even if he has tens of thousands of rounds, that's still a lot of back and forth. But with just how crazy the uh, cash system is supposedly in this game, it's not impossible. Plus, you know, if he was crafting the ammo on top of it.
0: Yeah. Crafting, finding, and then trading, if it's logging every, the way he was doing it, if it was logging all of it, his items picked up. And nothing dropped.
1: Yeah, especially since how he was handling
0: it over. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's just... This is a very weird edge case that mm-hmm. I think Bethesda did the wrong thing.
1: I think uh, if this, uh, yeah, this is such an edge case that it's setting off a red flag. I don't blame them for that. Because I don't think they would have expected people to use uh, the world uh, containers to trade massive amounts of ammo when there's a, tr- a in-game training system because that has an inherent risk to it that said it should have only triggered a red flag and then they should have investigated more closely to see what this guy was doing or even reach out to him if it, they found it was you know, okay he's trading ammo back and forth but we're not seeing any odd numbers uh, uh, of his ammo you know, what's going on here not just ban them and say okay, no appeals. It's the yeah. sa- it's the same uh, sort of mentality that they've had with people getting in out of uh, out of bounds areas, claiming okay, your character has uh, save is corrupted. Uh, uh, you're going to have to write an essay now. The first corrupt it. or uncorrupted. Massive sarcasm quotes there. Yeah, Bethesda has gotten kind of too big for their britches, haven't they?
0: <laughs> oh yeah, they definitely have. And, you know, in, if this scenario was the only thing wrong with Fallout 76, it pro- it wouldn't be as much of a topic at this point. But because it's just thing after thing after thing after thing, it's like that has become Fallout 76, just this mess of really horrible news stories.
1: Yeah, it, yeah I'm very tempted to see if uh, uh, I could contact the moderators of uh, Rube Goldberg fails on uh, Reddit, and see if uh, Fallout 76 is eligible.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. I approve.
1: It's just uh, one thing after another after another. And the fact that they went after, supposedly, their biggest fan. (laughs) Because I can't imagine anybody else that's played it more. And I love the uh, comment that he had on the Reddit post. Uh... Let's see, uh, let's see if it has it on this one. Uh final uh edit. Still banned, patch did nothing, submitted another ticket. Maybe I get an agent who reads the ticket this time. Good luck to anybody still in the same boat. I think I'm gonna go give Warframe a try. <laughs> oh.
0: yeah. Good luck, friend. I hope you enjoy Warframe.
1: Yeah, it's just uh and uh, it's just the echo chamber in uh, the Fallout 76 subreddit as well. That's just... Uh, yeah. It, there's a, a lot of people saying that, you know, maybe <laughs> uh, this game isn't uh, that great. Or maybe the support isn't that great. Yeah, I think people are slowly starting to turn. But... Uh, there's a lot of uh, Stockholm Syndrome going on. Yeah.
0: And there will be, for some people, and there will be some people who never give up. The The people who... I'm, there is obviously a, at least a small subset of people who, for one reason or another, enjoy this game. And good for those people, you know? I'm glad that they can enjoy something that most people seem to hate. I get that, enjoying things people that don't like or... Not liking things that most people do. I mean, I but had no reason there's... to
1: believe that this guy doesn't have the hours he claims because he has a rather detailed uh, leveling or uh, farming guide on here, and that requires a yeah a fair amount informa- of information.
0: Yeah. Uh yeah. Are you uh, ready for the next one?
1: yeah I think so it's just oh Bethesda Mm
0: -hmm.
1: mhm is that our version of oh Ubisoft
0: (laughs) yes yes indeed oh
1: Bethesda it's just it's amazing at this point just how incompetent they can be and and, hey they're talking about bringing mods back in the uh roadmap uh who wants to uh, bet that they're going to be paid mods
0: oh yeah definitely
1: because the creation club oh It's kind of... We're in kind of this weird state right now. A little bit of a tangent here. Uh, Where... How many of the game developers that you grew up with that you absolutely loved are in such a... Are either dead or in such a state that they're unrecognizable?
0: Most of them. Yeah,
1: same here. I mean...
0: All of them, maybe?
1: I'm, I'm trying to think of any. I mean... If if I go far enough back, then Nintendo, but Nintendo, I'm not the demographic form anymore, so that's not, yeah. You know, even that doesn't really count. Uh, a lot of the uh, games I played gr- uh, growing up, uh, those studios are, have either been dissolved uh, uh, or just incorporated to other uh, entities that, you know, they're unrecognizable now.
0: Yeah, I'm drawing a pretty big blank on anything that's not. Uh, degraded in quality let's say
1: Yeah. which part of that may be nostalgia as well you know looking back at the good old days you know but I'm not 100% sure on uh, it being just nostalgia because there is uh, especially in the more big budget titles a more of aiming towards the lowest common denominator because the stakes are so high that they can't try to do something more over the top. They can't do something more detailed. They have to make it as accessible as possible. They have to make it as easy as possible. And even the end game content for these games, they have to be accessible. They have to be open. Uh, that's what kind of turned me off on uh, World of Warcraft when they made the uh, the late-game raids for the new expansion that had just came out so simplistic that it took the fun out of it for me the the challenge just wasn't there and more of the challenge was uh the new raiders that my guild was bringing in just not communicating properly and that was the uh the, you know, that was the catch was you know they would uh you know run the wrong direction and wipe the uh, raid because of it it wasn't because the mechanics were, uh, were difficult it was just that they would either panic or they were stupid.
0: Or both.
1: Yeah, or a combination thereof. Um, so maybe that's, uh, yeah, maybe the future is more indie games in the indie arms of the big studios, even though, you know, the, in, the indie arms of big studios is a rarity to begin with. You know, that double A space in uh, Ubisoft, for example. EA technically has it, but that's usually one or two games, and then that gets either uh, absorbed into the bigger entities, or you know they just drop the IP altogether and they you know languishes. You're not going to have a long series like that.
2: Yeah.
1: Which yeah, the the future of gaming seems a little bleak at times. Whenever you look at some these practices.
0: Sometimes, but I think that there will be a course correction at some point. Not necessarily that the big companies will be willing to do it on their own, but that it'll just happen. And also, I mean, a lot of my faith in the gaming space is with indie developers mm-hmm. these days. And I think, well, I don't, I don't necessarily think that. What seems likely is that there there will probably be a few of the sort of old guard that remain, but I think we'll see sort of a, a wave or a ripple effect. Um, of newer indie studios rising to the levels that a lot of the large but not, you know, gigantic AAA studios were at a few years ago up to the current time. You know, I'm thinking like Konami and uh, Bandai Namco and some stuff like that, like these big prominent studios that are not quite as prominent as they once were. Seeing a few big indies come to replace them or add to their ranks and cause a, or, a shift in the... Or
1: mid-tier publishers as well.
0: Yeah. Because that's the other thing is that it doesn't have
1: to be uh, independent uh, completely. It could be you know, the mid-tier publishers that are happy uh, being in that space to uh, be a more niche audience. Uh it could be another yeah. part of it where they're... Yeah, you know, you'll have a publisher that more specializes in like uh, simulators or that sort of thing, or just have uh, Nordic T Th- or THQ Nordic, where you know uh, they're technically a really big publisher, but they let their uh, uh, devs you know kind of have free reign and just as long as they fulfill their contracts, you know they can go do their own thing. They're not uh, they haven't gone full EA yet, even though. I have to admit that they are making me a little worried, you know? Yeah. Because they do have a lot of acquisitions, and they are gearing up for a lot more. So they do have a potential of becoming uh, EA, you know, corporate overlords and just start uh, filling up a graveyard, but at the same time we haven't seen that yet from them. I do have to wonder, though, uh, since we are kind of on this topic and yeah, maybe we should add this to either franking content or just you know put in a, like a little general discussion note in the show notes. I don't know. Uh, yeah, are we gonna see Bioware gone in, in the next year? Just because of how Anthem's
0: been go- uh you know, been reviewed lately. We'll see. Um, I think Anthem overall is going to fall into that category of like the Destinies and the whatever like. Not a good launch, spend some time patching up the holes that they, you know, should have dealt with pre-launch, but hey, let's get this Games a Service thing out there. And over the next two years, give or take, as the player base dwindles, it'll hit its real stride. Because um, we've seen that with all of these big
2: ones. Yeah, I mean, I mean even, the Division uh, if, had that, yeah, Destiny had, had
0: that, it. Warframe had it.
1: Yeah but here's the here's the catch is that they weren't published by EA. Yeah. And and EA is uh, is EA going to play the long game on this because honestly in the past they haven't. Yeah. EA's been about I'm... short-term uh uh investments and short-term gains and uh, kind of ignoring the long tail.
0: Yeah, as long as it doesn't get cut loose too soon. I'm going to enjoy Anthem when I get into it. Everyone's saying, like, hey, Anthem is like Destiny when it first released. It's terrible. And I'm going, I love Destiny when it first released. It wasn't perfect, but boy, did I enjoy that game.
1: Yeah, but you also have awful taste in games at Tom's.
0: I have my own taste in games. I reject that, that I have awful taste in games. I just have my taste in games. I said at Tom's. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that Anthem, though, is an awful game. I think it's catering to a certain type of audience. You know? That sci-fi... I think Anthem
1: would have been a lot better off if it wasn't a Bioware game. Because it has that uh, history, that pedigree behind it. Of uh, very strong character-driven stories. Very strong worlds. Yeah. Uh yeah, you know, pretty much all of the hallmarks of a BioWare game up until Mass Effect Andromeda, uh, and then yeah, you know, people are looking at uh, Anthem and seeing uh, this is kind of a generic looter shooter. Yes, it has an interesting world, but uh, supposedly the main villain just is a yeah you know, generic you know take over the world guy. There's no real interesting character uh, with him. Uh, There's some not great uh, uh, game mechanics that can be fixed, yes. But uh, for a launch, uh, they should have been fixed. But people are expecting a lot better polish out of BioWare. And supposedly even the characters aren't exactly that great. Which is, yeah, BioWare's bread and butter. Yeah. So, ma- Which- so maybe you know the pedigree of Bioware is bringing down Anthem's review scores. Now, I'm I'm, you know, being completely uh, honest with that one, giving them the, kind of the benefit of the doubt on that one. That, you know, maybe it is you know the fact that this is a Bioware game is making people a lot more critical of it. But at the same time, there, I've watched a fair number of reviews to yeah you know, get a feel for this game. Because I have to admit, I was curious about it. I had very little interest in uh, going for it, but, you know, I was curious. And there's a lot of gameplay mechanics that would just highly piss me off.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, from playing the demo, like I said when I really talked about it, I liked all the game mechanics. I liked the characters and the story presented. But I think I did say something along the lines of, like, you know, this is a demo. This is a slice. They probably picked some of the stronger content or whatever to get into or, or focused on some of the more interesting characters. So, you know, that is definitely a very clear possibility that I'm not like, Oh yeah, well it was what I played was good. So there it's good. You're wrong. Like that's not where I'm coming from on that, but I did love the gameplay. So I don't know. I'm, I'm going to get into it at some point unless they just, you know, drop loot boxes and shit into it before that time comes at which point you know i would already be committed so there's nothing i could really do about it but you know as long as they don't do that before i get into it i'm gonna jump in at some point and i'm just gonna wait until well less of an issue because it's there's no pvp but i know we've had that discussion longer like or you know we've previously had that discussion but you know those are really the only major things that if it happens before I buy into it, I'm going to avoid it because I did enjoy my time in the demo and there's going to come a point where that people are going to be like, hey, Anthem, they fixed a bunch of those problems that it had and here comes like an expansion or something. Now's a good time to jump in and I'm going to go, yes, I think now's the time where I jump in and I'm looking forward to that time and until then, I'll just play something else. Um, We've been talking about Anthem. Let's swap around. Did we put it up here? Or did we not put it up here? We didn't. Never mind. Nope. Yes, we did. It's down here yeah. near the bottom. So since we've been talking about Anthem, we're going to bump up one of the news topics. Uh, YouTube creator misleads public over Anthem video takedown. Yeah, I'll and, rearrange and, this in the show notes yeah, real and this, quick. This uh,
1: really plays into the overall distrust of EA. So uh
0: a reviewer should. should we uh name him or should we not? Um I don't give a shit uh, if we want to name him, but we don't have to. Well,
1: I don't even see his name on here real quick, so uh video reviewer <laughs> since I can't be bothered with it because it's a, 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 a an
0: obnoxious G G Man Lives. I have no idea who that is, but is this a link to his channel, perhaps? So, yeah. GGG Man so Lives. So, G. Uh,
1: G posted a review and then had a EA contact him to take it down. And he blew it out of proportion on Twitter. And there's a lot of, once again, this requires a level of trust either on uh, G-Man or EA. And with the facts of the matter, uh, especially in the Sid Alpha uh, video, him breaking down a lot of it, because uh, people jumped on this really quickly. Uh, Honestly, I can't blame them, though. Especially when it comes to EA, because EA has done some shitty things in the past. Hell, EA has done shitty things in the last year. So, yeah, it's not hard to believe EA would try to quell criticism. But uh people jumped on this saying oh uh, EA's trying to uh, stifle uh, uh negative critique especially from uh, their creator club or yeah their their whatever uh, version of it where uh, the game changers program that's it i'm oh, sorry i was trying to find it on here which is a community uh, partnership program uh, through EA to pr- prominent uh, content create uh, I-, I hate marketing uh, material like this you know
2: <laughs> yeah
1: Uh, Basically, basically, it gives uh, high level influencers, which that's another uh, thing that I absolutely hate—the term uh, influencer—early access to certain games, which Anthem was one of them. Well, part of this program is that it's a free thing; you don't get anything outside the game. It's essentially a review code system but they have a secondary program that is paid sponsorship for their creators which is the uh, their. Pro- and i'm just double checking to make sure i'm uh, i'm not ba- getting the uh terms backwards here because the other system is a paid part- partnership and because he put the wrong wa- uh th- uh watermark on it it wasn't doing the proper disclosure of a of a paid promotional video which is a no-no to the FTC and EA is playing very very carefully with this disclosure because it can come back to bite them if the FTC actually you know starts to begin uh, to give a damn so he blows up on twitter uh, Gaming pundits and uh, journalists start you know, jumping on this because in the fast-moving world of the internet, there's no time to, yeah, you know, double-check things, and you can't exactly contact EA and expect them to get a, a very quick response. It starts making rounds on the internet, and he gets a lot of popularity, and then it starts, to, yeah, the story starts to break down,
0: right? Yeah. Um. So they. So he... Words tripping over them. Um, So yes, he seems to, you know, play this up. Say that uh, they pulled his video down because he was actually saying negative things about the game as opposed to whether or not it was a mistake or he did it on purpose or whatever. Um, You know, with the, the wrong watermark, like that being the issue. He was claiming, oh, they pulled it down for negative criticism. Which some i mean i believe fully the EA aa has done that before other game publishers and developers have done that before but there is a lot of negative criticism about anthem from both large and small reviewers on youtube and you know other places gaming websites and whatnot you know, some bigger, some smaller than this guy. Because his channel, he's got like 250,000 or 300,000 subscribers. Oh, no, 216,000. So, you know, that's not nothing, but that's also not, you know, a giant channel or anything. But there's plenty of reviewers out there smaller than him that have had negative criticism about the, about the game. It's not been pulled down. And EA quickly comes back and is like, no, no, no. We did not do this, we did not pull it down. Because of that, we did not blacklist him because of negative criticism. Because that was something else. I can't remember if he said that or someone else brought that up, and that became a part of the narrative. But how that, you know, they expect you to give positive feedback by, you know, having you in these programs and paying you, and that's like part of the contract or whatever. And they were saying, no, we didn't do that. We're not blacklisting him because he didn't do what we told him to or anything like that. The whole reason we pulled it down was because of this watermarking issue. Um, not, he, you know, he wasn't following the terms of service, and he put it back up after he changed the watermark, and it was fine. No one has pulled it back down since. So, um, I'm, like, I'm looking at it here on his channel right now, and it says, my re-uploaded Anthem review, it's still bad. And then his his name, or his channel name, mm-hmm. in the YouTube title. So it's up. It's been up for four days. It's got little over 200,000 views. Yeah, I imagine it's probably so. his most
1: viewed uh, video now just because, you know, he's gotten so much publicity off of this, which is, yeah, the entire point of this, right? He's really burned his bridges, uh, especially with EA, because, you know, this was uh, him getting early access to stuff, and now he's not going to get that, because I would imagine that they would be very careful about giving him stuff now. Rightfully so. He was uh, bitching about being blacklisted. Well, guess what? You're probably blacklisted now rightfully yeah. so if yeah you know, if him uh doing this much of a stink about this uh, over a non-issue now this could be ea yep you know, triggering something that because he never showed the actual email which is it, it is a pretty big red flag of yeah, you know, wanting me to give ea uh, the uh you know, what EA's version of events of what happened is closer to the truth. EA could have had a badly worded email that made him think that, uh, oh, well, it's uh, since they may have not said, well, you know, as part of the game changers program, you uh, you have to pull down this video. That would uh, probably, you know, make him think that, oh, well, it's because it's negative criticism and I'm going to go off on Twitter about it. So yeah, there is the possibility that EA could be a, a bit of a fault here, but then you know, you open up communication and try to figure out what's going on, not immediately start bitching on Twitter. Because that is burning your bridges. That is going to get you blacklisted.
0: Right. So, yeah. I don't I don't typically like to side with big game companies on any issue. Um, and there is yeah, always yeah, a possibility feels, that Yeah, it feels EA's, weird
1: uh, given uh, EA, you know,
0: that, you know, this is probably what happened. Yeah, yeah, there is always the possibility that, you know, there's something funky going on here. But it seems like based on what we know and the sort of evidence that's been presented that, um, you know, at, at best it was a miscommunication that he sort of responded... Uh, a bit childishly too and at worst actively trying to capitalize on the situation lying about it to improve his own channel status and whatnot through the controversy and it's kind of backfired on him so that's kind of the range here of that
1: yeah if I was in control of EA so uh, handing out of keys like this, yeah, you know, I would be, uh, think twice about giving him something anymore if he's still a part of the program. Because that's the other thing, you know, you're not. It's not a, it's a privilege, not a right to be in that, you know.
2: Yeah.
1: And you are in a privileged position, and whenever you throw uh, them under the bus for, you know wanting you to get proper disclosure, even if. You know it's a badly worded email you figure out what's going on if you you know don't hear back from them then you know you start uh asking on twitter but yeah it's just it's just a, a knee jerk reaction and the fact that gaming media picked up uh, picked up on this rather quickly which like i said it, i understand why because well ea has done some crappy things so it's not unimaginable that they would try to stifle uh, some sort of uh, review but then you start looking around like well why this guy right
2: yeah yeah
1: so things don't add up in his story and it requires a major major screw up on EA's part to yeah to really give them yeah well it's your fault EA because I imagine they probably have a form letter you know you just fill out (laughs) uh, for the uh a corporate drone, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, probably. So, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't like to... Yeah, this feels weird. Give, Yeah, it does feel weird, but, you know, I try to look at things based on the evidence and, you know, as objectively as as possible. And, I mean, it seems like EA has got a good chance of being in the clear here, so... Unless something happens that clearly proves it differently... I'm gonna chalk this one up to that guy either having misunderstanding or being kind of an asshole. Although he might be kind of an asshole even if it's a misunderstanding, but you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. All righty, uh, moving on to our next uh, news speaking of assholes topic. <laughs> yeah, the Federal Trade Commission is going to host a public loot box workshop.
1: Yeah, it turns out they're going to be working on how to improve work, uh, loot boxes.
0: Hmm. Mm. <laughs>
2: Yay!
1: Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about this, to be perfectly honest, because the FTC has gone uh, out of their way to, you know, say we don't want to regulate this. So them hosting a workshop like this makes me think that, yeah, this is just uh, lip service. You know, they're, uh, it's not really going to be uh, any real effort put forward. But at the same time, maybe there is, you know? I don't know. Uh, what's your take on this one? Because I'm kind of torn on this.
0: Um, I'm of two minds about it. On the one hand, it's like, okay, it is a big enough topic that, you know, the FTC is going to, you know, discuss it, open some sort of Dialogue. look into it. Uh, Yeah, some sort of dialogue about it but on the other hand I just have no faith in the US government and any agency that is a part of the US government to do anything that would benefit consumers I hope that that's going to be changing with the democratic controlled house and potentially further shifts to you know uh, liberal attitudes over the next couple of election cycles but you know there's always a chance that that won't happen And I just have no faith that the U.S. government and the state that it's in now will actually pursue this in any meaningful manner. So, I mean, I want it to do something, but I don't think that it will.
1: Yeah, I honestly think that this is going to be either lip service or it's going to end up with really uh, nothing happening no matter what because it's – Uh, They're going to have parent groups, they're going to have industry leaders, they're going to have consumer advocacy uh, uh, organizations here, according to this. But at the same time, uh, are they going to listen? Because, uh, you know, let's pick a subject uh, almost at random. How about net neutrality? They really listened about that one, didn't they?
0: Yeah. They did not.
1: Yeah, I was being sarcastic. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so
1: the fact that you know they're hosting this doesn't mean that they're listening this yeah you know, merely means that yeah you know, they're opening up a dialogue but yeah that doesn't mean that there's going to be a proper line of communication here there's not going to be a, uh, a f- moving forward of this but at the same time it may be enough to scare the hell out of the industry so who knows right
0: yeah. I don't know. Hope for the best, but don't really expect anything. <laughs> it's kind of how I feel uh, about things. Sounds like government right now. Yeah. <laughs> sounds exactly like government right now. Uh, especially whenever um, I get
1: email about uh from Twitter, right?
2: Yeah.
0: Well that went by pretty quickly. Um <laughs>
2: Yeah. Well, well there's not a lot to
1: talk about on this one really because it's just an announcement. Of uh, a, uh, a workshop? Uh, did they even say when it's going to be? Uh, uh, be Later held this at, year? Yeah, I think held at some said. point in 2019. So you know, not even yeah, uh, you know, an idea of when this is going to happen. Just that it is going to happen, and trying to speculate yeah. on you well, know, what are uh, what are they going to do? Well, yeah, you know, the big uh, t- subject before was net neutrality, and they completely ignored the outcry and said. Eh, it's just a bunch of bots, right? Yeah. Never mind that the ones were that were in favor for, well, against net neutrality were the bots, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, Stupid bots. Damn Russia. Actually, I apologize, robots. Uh, I would like to praise our new robot overlords when you hear this podcast in the future. I have nothing against your your Twitter bots. Please don't make me a slave or kill me. Um, I'm fine being a pet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next news topic. Uh, there is rumored financial trouble at GOG. That's Good Old Games. Yeah, which
1: uh, you know, they're not exactly Good Old Games anymore because they have a fair number of contemporary catalogs right now as well. So. Is, they
0: do it's you
1: know kind of a uh, misnomer to begin with but uh gog laid off a dozen people which is a fair amount of their workforce actually they uh, run fairly lean to begin with and yeah, uh, citing I mean, financial difficulties which is troubling
0: I, yeah so i mean gog is an arm of CD Projekt, which CD Projekt Red, the people who do The Witcher and the upcoming Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven or whatever the year on it is, um, so you know they're they're a, a division, a branch, however you want to look at it, under their their parent company, um, and. This came as a pretty big surprise to me. Like, I know that GOG has not raked in money hand over fist like Steam has. Yeah, even though but just they've the been perception. Yeah, they've
1: been uh, pretty uh, generous on giving away games to try to bring in uh, customers. But I gotta admit that I've never really bought anything from there. I'd go for uh, Green Man Gaming, but then again, I don't do a lot of old retro titles, which is what their uh, main focus is. That's the main share of their library.
0: Yeah. Um but you know I I thought that GOG was doing okay, you know. Um yeah, but-, but just sort of breezing through this article, they had a really rough February. Um they had had a a something, let's see if I'm paraphrasing this correctly. Something like they'd had a decent January, but uh they'd been making some internal shifts, changing things around, trying to compete <clears throat> with more generous uh, dev revenue splits, which was kind of eating into their yeah, money. They're
1: actually uh, getting rid of the fair price package program, which is a part of that, where, uh, they would give back a portion of the game price out of their own par- uh, pocket to try to match uh, prices. Let's see, uh, we came up with the fair price package, the FPP, as a way to make up the price difference between various countries. Some games on GOG have uh, regional pricing, meaning the price of the same game in one place it can be higher compared to its price in North America. In countries where the game is more expensive, we gave uh, users the equivalent of the price difference in GOG wallet funds. In actual numbers, on average, we gave users back 12% of the game price from our own pocket. In some cases, this uh, number can reach as high as 37%. In the past, we were able to cover these extra calls from our cut, and still turn a small profit. Unfortunately, this is not the case anymore. With an increasing share uh, paid to developers, our cut gets smaller. However, we look at it uh, at the end of the day, we are a store and we need to make sure we sell games without a loss. Removing the FPP is not a decision we take lightly, but by making this change, we will be able to offer better conditions to game creators, which in turn will allow us to offer you and more curated uh, a curated Black Cat Games and... Black Cat Games and new... Re- Sorry, that's kind of a weird turn of phrase, isn't it? Yeah. That's why I kind of stumbled over it. I said Black Cat... Wait, is that, did I read that right? <laughs> and uh, new releases, all DRM-free. So they're cutting uh, the uh, program to be able to give it back to the developers to try to bring in more uh, niche titles or games that just never... Uh, R- or aren't really sold anymore so th- it makes sense I, it's sad to see a, a program like that go but I'm, I understand why especially whenever they talk about being dangerously close in the red uh, uh, has come up uh, in the past few months and uh, the uh, markets move towards higher developer revenue shares is, uh, uh, begin to affect their bottom line so I can understand why they're doing it, and you yeah, having to uh, lean out a bit on top of everything, it makes sense. And I hope that they could stay afloat because you know, the fact that they're one of the few full DRM-free storefronts, if not the only one, uh, you know, is trying to push the fact that you know, DRM uh, fully lockdown- locking down a game isn't a requirement to be able to sell it but at the same time, it does cost them money because you know that those games are pirated uh, uh, quite often.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it, uh, another thought I'm having is it's interesting to see this amid, like, the Activision Blizzard layoffs and other... Yeah, but this other... is
1: you know, making more sense for a layoff instead of, we have record yeah, revenue, th- let's cut some people. <laughs>
0: no absolutely it does make perfect sense like why they're doing it and it doesn't feel like bullshit garbage but at the same time it just serves to highlight how fucking bullshit those things are Mm -hmm. activision blizzard and whatnot right now i don't know it just reminded me like oh yeah you know there are times when this has to be done for legitimate reasons even though it sucks I, mean, I don't know. It just feels weird, like that they're still like the bare minimum of like what you expect from combination of human decency and also just like needing to do what you have to do, being juxtaposed uh, against immoral assholes. Basically, it's like they seem like saints, even though they're in trouble. Like it's like they're just yeah. It sounds like doing uh, they're, things. They're, they're that... running on a
1: pretty lean margin.
0: Yeah, I mean they're they're just doing things that make sense instead of being like assholes. But that's enough to make them seem like really good people, just by doing like, you know, what makes the most sense and is like an average thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. That I
1: I hope that they can pull out of this, and but at the same time, seeing stories about GOG laying off uh, people and. announcing the conclusion of their fair price package. I think that's going to spook some people. And a matter of fact, in the comments of this story, there's people talking about, okay, go download your games. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a a bit worrisome. I don't think they're going to go away anytime soon. I, I hope not. But the fact that they run on such a lean margin, or they are a uh, front for a larger company, though. So, in theory, they could run as a loss leader, but you know, not forever. They could. Uh, they don't have yeah. to uh, be profitable every month, but yeah, you know, if they start, you know, costing the, the main company too much money, they, you know, that you, you don't expect them to sell at a loss. So yeah, it, it wouldn't be fair to expect CD Projekt to keep GEOG open if they're constantly losing money. They can't be YouTube. <laughs> For Google, right? Yeah. But to be fair, yeah, you know, uh, that's not a quite a fair comparison because GOG actually produces positive publicity and positive feelings, not yo, know, oh god, another controversy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Not another shit show.
1: So or disaster,
0: yeah. not another anxiety inducing event. Mm-hmm. Alright, uh, we'll pull it into our last news topic of the night. Metro Exodus players are leaving thousands of positive reviews, dot, 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 on Steam. Well, it has
1: to be on Steam because Epic doesn't have
0: user reviews. Yeah. But
1: it was uh, kind of funny because last time I checked, uh a matter of fact, uh, last time I checked, a lot of the positive reviews had the double, uh, uh yeah, middle fingers. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's like, fuck you. Uh, a matter of fact, look, uh, on the storefront, at uh, the second
0: highest rated, up, uh, double middle fingers, Epic store. <laughs> yeah. Epic games. Do you still love steam after all this time? Me always. And then double flipping off Epic store. Yeah. And just so many of these reviews are the exact,
1: exactly the same positive review, but flipping off uh, Epic store. This is like the anti-review bomb, because they don't want to purge this, but at the same time, you know, it's not showing up. in a good light.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't blame people. Um, You know, it was on Steam for the longest time, and then suddenly relatively close to launch. It's gone, and people are angry, upset about that stuff, and it makes sense, because we're not con you know, exclusivity has not been a thing on PC. And to some extent it's still not. It's not the same concept as console exclusivity. But, you know, the fact that you have to have fourteen different launchers or more in order to have access to all the games you want to play is a foreign concept to PC players because it was, you know, for the longest time in the physical hardware era, it was just you got a floppy disk or a, a CD or a DVD, depending on what era it was that you were, you know, in at the time, and then Steam became a thing, and we had a little bit of a chat about this last night while we were playing Def Con, but you know, Steam um, standardized the digital marketplace, and that was it for a long time. Or, well, not that that was it, but that was, you know, ninety plus percent of your market for a long time in terms of digital PC distribution and for a while and even today there are still some titles that you can get you know physical copies of that actually have physical copy but there was a time when they coexisted in sort of the mid2000s period um,
1: yeah there's actually then- a LGR video of of uh, uh, the big box games and you could uh, and he talks about the progression of them uh, to the small box then you know eventually uh, it becomes a rarity. Uh, uh, lazy Game Reviewer LGR, uh, he does some uh, really uh, interesting uh, PC re- uh, retrospectives and uh, history stuff. Uh, go check him out. Yeah,
0: I love, I love LGR. LGR and Eight Bit Guy, mm-hmm. those guys are great. But anyways, you know, there was a time when they coexisted, and then Steam just sort of, well, steamrolled the marketplace. And then there was the period where they were, um, there was Uplay. And Origin, yeah, which you uh,
1: play never really uh, had a good market share unless you were really into Ubisoft titles. But even then, they still sold them on Steam. It just you play uh, was a secondary launcher that you had to open up, uh, even to this yeah. day. And yep. uh, and there was a very famous split uh, when EA pulled all their new, or yeah you know, said that all new titles weren't going to be on uh, Steam anymore; they're going to be Origin exclusives and. That, that was, like, the, really the first taste that we had of that. You, yeah. you had uh, little bits of it here and there, but it was never a dedicated storefront. Uh, yeah, uh, with the exception the of things ex- like Blizzard games were never on Steam. They, they were always, yeah. always their own thing, but it was never a storefront until very recently.
0: Right. And then you did have GOG in there, but GOG's whole thing was focusing on, uh, well... Primarily retro titles, which was something that Steam didn't really do at the time and really still doesn't. There are some retro titles on Steam, but nowhere near what GOG has on offer. So and there was still this big separation of, um, for sort of, I guess you could say mainstream or for the main game playing, you know, the main PC gamer, Steam was it or mostly it. And we've now got this thing where it's like, well, now do we want to go... Do we need to go to the Epic Launcher? Do we need to go to the or- Origin Launcher? Do we need to go to Steam? Do we need to go to wherever? And games can't be purchased on multiple platforms. It's a very odd time to be a PC gamer where once before you had basically unlimited freedom or nearly unlimited freedom, and they're trying to box us off like they have done on consoles for ever and yeah i'm I'm just waiting for the point when it gets really bad like the the player or the gamer response i guess is when that gets very because i mean we are seeing bits of it but whenever the the pc gamer or whenever the gamer public really comes back against something I mean, it can cause whole rethinks of the way things are done. Like the the most recent thing that comes to mind in the last couple of years has been Battlefront 2. And I know that that was more than PC gamers who went off on the, you know, the infamous <laughs> pride and accomplishment statement.
1: Uh, the most downvoted uh, <laughs> post in
0: Reddit history.
1: Oh, uh, uh, That's I mean, going to be s- quite the thing to try to top, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, we could see that kind of response or larger from pc gamers who i think by and large tend to be much closer to the you know the hardcore air quotes hardcore gamer or the people who have gaming as a hobby as opposed to just like i play games sometimes for fun or i play one specific genre or type of game you know they're they're much more likely to be more like me and you because many PC gamers do put together their own rigs and take time to invest into that. So um, there could be, will be, I think, a massive backlash at some point.
1: Yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm starting to get really worried about how fractured uh, gaming is becoming uh, on the PC platform. Just how many more storefronts are we going to get before we hit that tipping point? And there's really no going back on that. Uh, yeah, Once a storefront gets uh, established, especially by a publisher, there's really no reason for them to shut it down. So I, I don't expect to see EA, new EA titles on uh, Steam anytime soon.
0: No, I don't either. And you know what? That's fine. Fuck them. Actually, it's not fine. It sucks, but yeah. fuck them anyways.
1: Yeah, it's just, uh, it gets very annoying, but then we hit kind of the
0: the problem that GOG is
1: having, where they are a secondary, more niche uh, storefront, where they're just not getting the traffic. Or even Steam itself, uh, it's on the docket that Steam is shutting down their video arm. Yes, Steam had a video arm, because it just doesn't sell enough. It's just not worthwhile for them. There's uh, people have their established habits. They have you know what they like, what they uh, want to do, and uh, it's trying to get people to change their habits is very difficult. So, tr- yeah, uh, trying to become a new storefront that's not just some sort of very niche thing is going to be very tough to break into at the at this point. And what niche is there outside of being a big pu- a big publisher? I mean, even you know, retro titles, Steam is covering that pretty well these days. Uh, so GOG is uh, starting to see a real downturn. So I'm not sure just where to go with it outside of things that Steam just doesn't allow and you're starting to hit in some legal gray areas because you know, U.S. law sucks.
0: <laughs> yeah. U.S. law does suck. Yeah, it's just uh, a very
1: annoying thing to try to deal with but it's sort of like you're trying to watch a movie (laughs) Uh, looking like okay i could uh, it's not on this service this service this service but it's on this service so i could go sign up for that one if i want to watch this but then i only have that service for that movie and you know is it worth uh, that yeah probably not i'll go watch something else
2: right yeah
0: um indeed Well, now I feel sad about the PC gaming space for for a moment. Although I'm also very sleepy, and feeling sad is not going to last very long. (laughs) Because the next time I yawn...
1: Uh, We'll just hear a thud. (laughs)
0: Yeah. With that in mind, I think it's going to be another week where we take Discovery Q off the end. Uh... Because it's, yeah. by the time we get done, it'll be about 12.45. And I really try hard to get in bed by 1 a.m. So.
1: Yeah, otherwise you turn into a pumpkin. And that's bad for your blood I sugar. Do.
0: It's extremely bad for my blood sugar. So, uh, Community Corner. Uh, we did not receive any emails this week. But, highlighting game night, as always. We played DEF CON again yeah, last night. I did get frustrated night.
1: with DefCon Mostly because... Uh, it looked like I was taking a lot more damage
0: than I actually was, and ugh. Yeah, you wound up winning. <laughs> yeah, well, um, like well, overall. Well, well,
1: the thing was that, uh, eventually, the nukes were blowing up due to my shots, but on my screen, all my shots were orbiting the nukes. And I was just seeing them blow up. So I was starting yeah. to get uh, a bit pissed because of the game mechanics, not the fact that I was getting shot. It was just yeah, you know, it looked like I was taking damage when I wasn't.
0: So, I looked into that just out of curiosity, mm-hmm. like, how that mechanic works, and even if it looks like the missile hits the nuke, like, or doesn't, like, whether it hits it or doesn't hit it, it doesn't matter, there's just a chance, sort of a roll you get on whether or not the missile blows up the nuke, mm-hmm. um, and it's, you know, a, a smaller chance, so it looks like the nukes oftentimes will get hit multiple times, but really you only a- actually have to score a single hit and then you destroy the nuke. Mm-hmm. All right. So it kind of obfuscates that from the player. So if it, even if they're spinning around or you know orbiting the nuke, it doesn't really mean anything. It's sort of a, a background role that happens at a certain point uh, when the missile's in proximity to the nuke, whether or not you actually make contact with it. So. But I mean that, you know, that's visually frustrating to see and having that knowledge doesn't really make it any better. Yeah. But I did look that up after what happened last night. Yeah, and just but, like uh, I said. It
1: looked like uh, I was uh, taking some severe damage because of it because eventually the nuke would blow up and it's hard to tell if I'm taking a hit or if the nuke uh, was destroyed.
2: Yeah.
0: But anyway, game night. Indeed, so yeah, we played DefCon last week. I don't think we had a definite pick. No, we didn't. But but uh, keep talking, and nobody explodes was thrown around a couple of times last night when we were talking. Um, you know, we'll I'll, we'll check in. I'll post something in Discord maybe a little bit sooner this time because we had, didn't like definitively decide. But the idea was there are some of us that have the game, and we would be the actual ones doing the bomb defusing, and we would get the PDF copy of the. Manual to distribute to the players who were not, uh, who don't have the game, and uh, are not using the bomb now. (laughs) So, you know we can we can do it that way. Uh, But that is if we go for it. I'll check in maybe when this goes up on Friday around that time. That way, there's something. Uh, Usually around noon. Yeah,
1: actually uh, around eleven o'clock. At a random time around eleven
0: yep ish it's usually pretty much right at noon for me but anyways yeah uh that's uh that's that for monday night game night or community game night or whatever we had uh last week was our biggest turnout so far since we started doing it again there were five of us and that was a lot of fun Mm -hmm. so if you're listening and you want to uh, come join us for some game time? Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I know
1: Jim got frustrated because he didn't know any of the game. Which, you know, sorry about that, Jim.
2: Yeah, uh, I
0: thought you. But I mean, you, Jim he, still did okay. Yeah, I thought he
1: knew more than uh, uh, what he uh, actually did, which was actually nothing. So I do feel bad about not helping him.
0: Jim came into it the exact same way that I did, having never played the game before really seen it in action and uh i had like my first game i had more score but that was completely random luck i had a lot more shit get blown up than he did in my first game i mean i think overall jim did about as well as i did the first time so um you know jim i hope that the experience was not too bad now that you sort of know what to do in those first few rounds eh, maybe you know we can give it another try we're gonna take a we'll we'll take a break from DefCon this yeah, week. I don't yeah, want to run. Yeah, a mostly game be, in the ground. Yeah, especially a game like DefCon where a single game is all night. Yeah, it, I mean it's two two and a half hours for us to play a single game, and you could do it faster if you sped time up a lot. But I don't think any of us are good enough to play that at higher than one X speed most of the time.
1: Yeah, and it gives away a
0: tactical advantage if you're calling out. Okay, slow down, Tom. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so we'll take at least a break for a week, maybe longer. We'll, you know, this is kind of more of a, of a democracy than not. If it literally, if nobody is able to agree on something, I'm, we might just pick something or I might just pick something or maybe we could take turns on it between you and me, whatever. But like, if we get no agreeance from anybody, like we might just have to pick something and run with it. But typically I want this to run more like a democracy so that everybody feels like they get included in the decision making process so if you do want to join um follow the links to you know on wherever you're watching or listening to this video to our discord that's where it gets posted yeah uh, send
1: your time out because i still haven't gotten that bot uh, installed yet really should do that just uh don't want to do it when i'm half asleep and screw up something and i've been having uh, yeah. sleep issues Of course, you know, drinking coffee right before the podcast probably is not going to help me tonight, but,
0: eh. Yeah, right before bedtime. (laughs) Or, I don't know. I don't know when you're actually going to try and go to bed tonight, but that's the only reason I didn't drink coffee to perk myself back up. Because it'll be bedtime as soon as we're done. But, uh, anyways, yeah. yeah,
1: I'm probably not going to have a great day tomorrow because I'm probably going to have to cut back to one cup to try to, you know, counterbalance so I don't go yeah, running totals not three instead of two
0: <laughs> yeah so you want to hit him with the socials the our email and our Twitter
1: oh uh, well if I must uh, our email is vglpodcast at gmail.com where it gets in your letters voicemails gaming related topics or game uh, uh, suggestions if you have a good one that we may not know about Or you can just tweet it to us, VGL Podcast, on the Twitter. Our lovely, lovely patrons help pay for this absolute madness. And you can find more info on patreon.com slash vglpodcast. And since they do help pay for things, they do cover our Podbean account. Vglpodcast.podbean.com, which hosts the show notes, links to all our media. Our iTunes and Google Play also has our podcast listed, so you can find us there as well. Uh, are we completely skipping our? uh yeah, you know, uh, you know, saying wh- where we are on the.
0: Oh no, I wasn't. I wasn't intending to do that. I was just thinking, like, because you usually say the email and the Twitter. Well, uh,
1: well, so. I did most of the outro already.
0: <laughs> That's fair. I mean, if you want to slide into just finishing, we can. Or well, we can you can uh, swing well, back around. You
1: find me on uh, Twitter, the, uh, Gaming with CR. You find me on YouTube, Gaming with Caffeine Rage, or you find me on Steam. Uh once again caffeine rage, and you are
0: gaming psychologist on the youtubes at j m a four seven zero seven on twitter and j r three four seven zero seven on steam
1: and if you wish to give them a password this week, the password is love shack
0: <laughs> nice oh you get the reference. <laughs> Love Shack is a little old place, where we can Uh it was too perfect, right? Yeah. I wish uh oh, I wish it wasn't Game Club week <laughs> because then Love Shack would be the perfect name for this episode, but I won't. Nope.
1: Uh, actually we were kind of the anti Love Shack, huh? Uh maybe yeah. this is how we should do the outro, you know, instead of uh, sl- uh sliding into the uh, outro with uh after our personal stuff something to consider Yeah, that's fine with me it's more streamlined
0: works for me I do like saying hit him with the socials that's a fun phrase to say yeah not cringy at all yeah but I don't give a shit about that everybody who listens to this podcast knows that I don't give two fucks so
1: yeah it requires effort to give a fuck
0: indeed but uh, what about
1: that uh but our intro and intro intro outro music music is On The Ground by Kim McLeod you can find his work at CompTech.com where he does absolutely give a fuck
0: (laughs) oh and as always as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice bye bye now see ya
3: Bye bye